Roses are red, violets are blue. If you don't like toys, then we don't like you. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues Podcast, episode number 189, for the week of Wednesday, the 7th of October, 2015. I'm Scott, and with me tonight are... Eddie! And Ben. This episode is brought to you by Mike's Comics and Stuff and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, we break down the Hasbro Marvel Legends Hulkbuster Wave, and our discussion topic is Action Figure Home Improvements. gentlemen how are we hello hello very good good um so eddie yeah uh, we are recording this on the eve of the afl grand final did you care about it at all uh well i was mixed on it it's for those that don't know it was the first year that this has been a public holiday and so I still need to work, but I get very nice penalty rates for working. So <laughs> uh, it does mean a fair bit extra in my pay packet next week. So nice. I, I'm one, I would have had to work this day anyway if it was a public holiday or not just the way things fall. So I'm kind of happy to have that. But uh, <laughs> in terms of teams that go in, I'm a Richmond Tigers supporter. Uh, we've never had a chance at the uh, Australian Rules Football Grand Final in the entire time that I've been on this planet. Uh, <laughs> so I've never really been super excited for one yeah. uh, itself. And, yeah, didn't have much invested in this year's. I thought it was crazy living in a state where we got a public holiday for a horse race. Um being the Melbourne Cup, but now to be in a state where we get one public holiday for a horse race and one <laughs> public holiday for a football grand final just seems crazy to me. And the most awesome bit is that I don't care about either, so I can just kind of have two days off for no reason. Hooray! So, yay. yay! Yay! We're a sporting town. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think it remains to be seen whether or not business decides it's a good thing or not because mm. – um. You know, the people that have to pay those penalty rates, probably not very happy. But then other people that, you know, probably have increased business because people are on uh, having yeah. a day off. It's a mixed well, bag. The fun- funny thing that I noticed is and one of the reasons they were saying was implementing this was because people generally took the Friday off anyway. Leading to grand final day was an argument, but I found going into work on Thursday that a lot of people had taken Thursday off because they then had Friday off for a long weekend and (laughs) all that. So all they've done is uh, if there was a problem, they've moved it to Thursday, but it's probably become even bigger of a problem because now you've got a long weekend and people prefer to go away and (laughs) and start it through. So it seems to have the opposite effect in my experience. And uh, what else has been happening in your world, Eddie? Uh, I've been doing a few things, but the weirdest thing is I went and saw, I'm a big movie guy, I went and saw the film Everest. Have you guys seen this advertised? Well, I have. Uh, mm-hmm. through, so it, it, was an, it was an okay movie. It was 
good. It's pretty much what you expect. I do recommend if you have a chance to see it in IMAX. It's um, got a lot of IMAX footage in it. It looks fantastic. But it's one of these films that I come across every couple of years that I'll see. And even though the film itself might not be the greatest film, it sits with you for almost a week after. Mm. And I've become like super fascinated with Everest after seeing this movie. So I've been <laughs> watching YouTube clips on uh, Everest and learning about mountain climbing and altitude sickness. And I'm just trying to get my head in the understanding of, you know, so many people die on Everest. There's yeah. a section mm. I've learnt about called the Rainbow Valley that's just a sea of dead bodies of people in colourful winter uh, mountain climbing gear for used for uh, visual aid. Uh, mm. where they've just laid down and haven't been able to stand back up again and go through and just all these people seem to walk up to their death on this mountain and it's re weirdly fascinated me and I, I can't <laughs> understand the concept of someone wanting to put their life at risk to be the 8,000 person <laughs> to climb this mountain that's been summited so many times. It happens thousands of times every year, but people still risk their lives to mm. do it. And it's, I've just, you know, sometimes you just fall down a rabbit hole on the internet. Like that, that's no, beat that's my never happened to me no. before. <laughs> yeah. It happens to me all the time. Yeah. Where, where you, you, it's never happened to me where... up Elvis's diet. And, yeah. <laughs> it's never happened to me where, you know, you, you go to find one thing and then three hours later you're, you know, like 10, 10 websites away mm -hmm. reading Joshua Jackson's IMDb profile, you know, or something <laughs> like... Um, no, never. Um, <laughs> cool. I actually read that uh, they're going to start restricting who can climb on Everest mm. because of that, that, you know, novice climbers and people that just shouldn't be um, doing it, which I think is reasonable because, you know, it is a incredibly risky, dangerous thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, more people have actually died these last two years than um, have at any point in the past. In fact, the movie's about wow. that horrible disaster of 96 where a lot of people died in one day and when they were filming that movie there there was an incident that even more people died <gasps> than in that incident there was like 19 or so died in one day um oh. so the record was actually broken while they were filming the film about this <laughs> disaster which uh wasn't too good but as i said it's a good movie if you can check it out at imax but yeah be prepared for the rabbit hole after. cool cool and uh ben what rabbit holes have you fallen down lately Mm, not rabbit holes per se, but uh, we're getting my work out at local parks because it's school holidays here at the moment. Uh -huh. And one of my tadpoles said to me, I can't wait to go back to school. And I said, yeah, me neither. <laughs> so, I think I'm about over it now. So mm. I enjoy it for the first few days and then it just uh, starts to grind on you a bit when you have children going where are we going today it's like we're not going anywhere today and why not it's like because we've been out every day we're having a day at home <laughs> well, what are we what are we going to do it's like, i don't know find something to do like what etc 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 so yeah i'm done <laughs> okay um, <laughs> what about you <laughs> yeah uh i'm good we our kids are just finishing school holidays, so I've been back at work this week, but they've been doing stuff, so we've had at least one extra child here pretty much every night for dinner, <laughs> um, you know, which is fine. We've got uh, – both the kids have got friends that are kind of like 
extra siblings. So when they're around, mm. it's still pretty easy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, went to the beach yesterday, um, which was quite pleasant. Um, the weather was beautiful. And, uh, then we've had visitors here today, had a bunch of family around. So, um, yeah, it's been just kind of lovely, very relaxing. Nice. Yeah. Oh, and we got guinea pigs. Oh, dear. And so, um, I think I mentioned this was going to happen, uh, a couple of shows ago, but when we, we moved, you know, five years ago, we moved and we had guinea pigs and we gave them away because we were going to be renting. And, uh, you know, ever since then, it's been like, when are we getting guinea pigs again? And we've just tried to ignore it for as long as we can. <laughs> but, um, they saved their own pocket money. They bought the outdoor hutch, the indoor cage and the guinea pigs. So it's like, okay. Oh, they're actually very, they're very cute. They really are like, Quite, um, I was sitting today because I had one just suddenly handed to me. Um, and <laughs> you know, sitting there looking at this thing, kind of stroking its ear and thinking, it's pretty amazing that either they're so stupid that they don't know that they're <laughs> like, you know, on this giant person that could just crush them, or they don't seem terribly scared. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think if they've been handled a lot, they're actually pretty, um, adventurous and. Mm cute they're cute so (laughs) yeah but i mean it is actually uh when we had them before the kids were much younger and so it was a fair bit of work for us because they couldn't really look after them but i actually have i occasionally have forgotten that we had them because the the kids are just doing it so that's good cool yeah it's good for them to have little things to Hmm. look Hmm. after and to learn about death from Ultimately, not right away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say what to. happened to that one you got handed. That <laughs> you're so oh, yeah, the second half of that story. <laughs> I do have a, a friend who one of his traumatic childhood memories was um, that he had a, a rabbit called Bugs. And then one night, night after dinner, his dad said, so how did you enjoy eating Bugs? Ah. <sighs> uh, I know. Is that gross? Ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the only way from here is up, isn't it? Really? I know. We, um, well, I, I spent a lot of time growing up on a farm as a kid, and it was around breakfast time one morning, and we had some of the um, cousins down with their kids uh, one morning, <clears throat> and the farmer there on the property, uh, Brian, he... Uh, said to the kids, "All right, uh, how about we go make some bacon and all that?" And we're we're sitting around <laughs> there. He walks off uh, with the kids in about. So we're we're just having a chat on the patio. We hear a gunshot, <gasps> and then slowly you hear faintly in the distance, but getting louder, the squeal of kids going <laughs> as they ran through and uh, came through. When uh, it turns out, when he said he was making bacon, he meant right from the beginning with the uh, oh, some that's of the pig me there in the shed. So. No one that was is really mean. That. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Uh. Okay, well, if you're not completely traumatized um, by now, then uh, give us a moment and um, we'll traumatize you. I mean, we'll entertain you with some articulated news. The signal goes out. The ferocious feline is on the prowl. But Bruce Wayne's custom coop is loaded with surprises. Batman returns. What was that? It's Batman. Captain But Batman's unstoppable. No, I'm not. Batman strikes back. Captain, 
Batman Returns. Bruce Wayne figure included with custom coupe. Other figures sold separately. Well, as always, we start with a bit of news. And if you'd like to contribute to the news, then you can go to our subreddit at fbpodcast.reddit.com, which is feeling a little bit lonely at the moment because it hasn't had many visitors in the last couple of weeks. So please, if you have links that you would like us to uh, talk about, or if you just want to vote for the things that you want to make sure are covered on the show, then go ahead and visit aopodcast.reddit.com and you can contribute to what's happening here. Eddie, you've got our first news item, so over to you. I do. So my first news item comes from our good friends at Funko, uh, and it's their sub-company, Vinyl Sugar, and they have some more daubs on the way. So the two lines that they are showing off this week is the Ghostbuster line, which includes all the four uh, favourite Ghostbusters from the original series of movies. So you have Peter Vankman, Ray, Egon, and Winston. And they also are pimping a second line, which is their horror line, with your classic horror icon characters of Freddy, Leatherface, Jason, and Pinhead, all with that sort of uh, classic Daubs look of uh, sort of the little happy eyes and uh, big <laughs> smile on so here. Cute. So I, I am a Ghostbusters fan. I do like uh, <laughs> the look of some of these Ghostbuster guys here. Uh, some of them don't really look that iconic to me i don't know if the egon really works as well i don't know if you look at that and really uh think egon too much but i do think the vankman and winston look good and the horror ones do quite look good they you can tell right away who they're meant to be and representing so uh scotty i know you've picked up some daubs here in the past are any of these ones grabbing you no, I mean, look, I think these are cute, and I think it's great to have different options for people for their favorite characters, but to me, this is something that I'm more inclined to pick up, you know, one for a character that I really like or I think is really cute rather than, you know, collect them. Um, but, you know, it's another, pri- another skew, um, in, in the, sh- in the shops for mm. people to choose from. Um, I think that the, uh, the Ghostbusters ones are really cute and I mean, they all are. So I think it's, you know, that's the magic of the Funko, uh, approach to licenses is give people stuff that they like and they'll buy it. Yeah. And, um, you know, and just do as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. do you think, cause this is sort of their second line in a way of, uh, these stylized figures in points, do you reckon Funko might start be hitting a saturation point or, or are they almost beyond the bubble now? Are they untouchable and can keep releasing as many different styles well, as possible? I, I think that the the magic of it is that Joe Blow or, you know, Jane Citizen out there that might casually pick up a, a few of these in, in the shops probably doesn't even know what Funko is. You know, like, I think that that's the beauty of it is that they have got such a reach, um, that we know, um, and we associate all these different lines with Funko. But, you know, if I were just looking in the, in the shops at Adorbs, I wouldn't think, oh, that's from the same people that make pops or, you know, et cetera. So no, I don't, you know, I think that, um, that it's the, I think what I like about it is that they're obviously encouraging different ideas and seeing what sticks. So, you know, some of the things like the, um, the, 
some, some may be lasting and some aren't. I don't think anything's going to reach the same kind of iconic level that the pops have. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I think they're quite clever in that they've tapped into that market that not too many people went for, which is the desk, um, tchotchke. Absolutely. Yeah. Funko have really gravitated to different things that work well on, uh, the desk, uh, at work and really ran with it. Yeah. One thing that might not fit on your desk too well though, uh, is my next bit of news and it is the one six scale teenage mutant ninja turtle. Donatello collectible figure uh, from the fairly new uh, company on the action figure scene, although they've been around as a collector company for a while, Mondo. Uh, So this is their second one. We talked about the Leonardo figure a few episodes earlier. He comes with a lot of the same things, swappable heads. Uh, So you have the red bandana head and the purple one. Uh, Of course, he comes with his bow staff. He's got um, some climbing hands, you could, uh, just classic holding hands. Uh, he has a unique hand, which is an affirmative sort of thumbs-up hand. Leonardo, you might remember, came with a pointing hand, so it looks like each of the turtles is going to come with an, its own uh, unique hand uh, swap-out thing. Uh, he also has um, some Ninja Stars, Grappling Hook, Ultra... Uh, um, Utron Blaster. He also comes with a little Utron itself. So they're the little Krang uh, looking things from the original Turtles comics and a pre-mutation, uh, so little turtle Donatello. Now, if you do pick him up uh, early on from Mondo, there is also an exclusive of the Gravitic Equalizer, which is sort of a mechanical device that Donatello wears on his hands. Now, I, I am fairly good with my Turtles uh, comic knowledge. Is this – there was an issue where Donatello sort of met Jack Kirby and um, created almost a hole into a Kirby-style world, and I'm not too sure, but I think that might be that um, – uh, device that he actually comes with, but I could be wrong on this. I, I sort of remember it looking slightly different, but uh, I could be wrong there. But look, fantastic figure. He's going to set you back about $150 plus shipping with the order. Um, I'm excited. I've uh, pre-ordered the Leonardo, but uh, Ben, I know we spoke a little bit on social media about this, about how quick they're coming. So how, how's your thoughts on Donatello here? <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, I... I love these. I think they look fantastic. Um, you know, it's a whole new scale, so it's a whole new collection. Uh, I still haven't pulled the trigger on Leo. I, I was holding off, and I, I don't know now. I think, um, you know, it's it's an awful lot of money. The exchange rate's pretty ordinary, yeah. and I just I just can't bring myself to commit to, uh, you know, an, an all-new line of figures in an all-new scale, and it's... Um, don't know. I mean, you know, they might bring out Mikey or, or Raph and there'll be something for one of those that'll blow me away. And, um, you know, the problem with these kinds of um, figures is you just can't get one. You, you just can't pick up your favourite turtle no. and leave it at that. Like, you'll sort of get one and you'll start playing with it and go, oh, this is so cool, but he really needs, and then you're off. And then, of course, the next yeah. thing they'll do a, an April and you'll go, hey, that's actually a pretty cool figure. That doesn't look like a, you know, a girly doll at all. You know, she's kicking some ass. I'll pick her up as well. And then, of course, Shredder comes out and then no doubt there'll be a foot soldier, et cetera, et cetera. So 
don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang in there just a little bit longer. I think. Yeah, I, look, I'm excited. I'm in for the four main turtles, but uh, I've been. They do turn up on Sideshow's website as well, so I pre-ordered mm, Leo mm. through there, and we'll hopefully get the rest through that. Uh, which the plan is to use flexi payments. But if they are coming out one a month, uh, then by the time that uh, the fourth one uh, starts charging, it might be four flexi payments hitting on my card at once, which is almost um, I could have just brought the figure out right. Yeah. <laughs> those points as it sort of hits there. So hopefully it's just for the initial launch they have too close together and they might separate them a little bit more. Uh, as time goes on, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. And but speaking of great, uh, much larger scale and a lot more detail works going into some of our favourite 80s cartoon property. We also saw this week on the Transformer side of things the reveal of Masterpiece Shockwave and Hot Rod. 2.0. So Shockwave's probably been the most demanded figure in this masterpiece line. Uh, he's definitely been a lacking point here for a while, and the whole Decepticons have kind of been slightly lacking uh, from this line here if they haven't been a Seeker Jet. So I know plenty of fans are excited to see him. He's the Cyclops purple guy who turns into a laser gun. Uh, but the surprise announcement that came uh, with this guy is the other masterpiece, which is Hot Rod. So they have done Hot Rod previously, very early on. He was the ninth masterpiece released, and his update, the 2.0, uh, will be about the 28th or 29th. But the original one uh, really left um, some problems and some bad taste in fans' mm. mouth. He just had some uh, articulation problems as well as really weak uh, plastic knees, which led to a lot of shattering, particularly in his black variant. So oh, there's a lot of people out there that spent uh, quite uh, a bit of money on a good high-quality uh, Rodimus or Hot Rod here and mm. uh, didn't exactly get their money's worth. There was a lot of uh, damage done there in the sculpt. Uh, and apparently it's actually to do with the mould and the way that the uh, screws go in. So it's uh, even if they were to reissue off that exact same mould, there would still be those continual issues. So they've gone straight back to the drawing board here with a brand-new figure. So might not be the best answer. I know the people still spent money and they're spending money again. Uh, but I know for myself who didn't end up picking him up because of problems, uh, Hot Rod is my favourite, uh, well, one of my favourite out of the two uh, Transformers that I really like. So I'm very excited to get a uh, Hot Rod masterpiece. And uh, I've been very shy on pulling the trigger on the last one that came out in fear of getting one that's easily broken. But seeing a new one coming in here has gotten me very excited. So uh, I know you two aren't very big Transformer fans. Do you uh, take a look at these guys here? Is that inspiring you guys to maybe check them out a little bit? I don't know that I'd actually go out of my way to pick them up. I mean, I don't mind the Transformers. Uh, you know, I've, I've got all the uh, the DVDs, etc., um, and got quite a kick out of it. You know, when it's originally shown, but um, I guess because there's just such a huge um, history now with all the toys, I've never really uh, decided to take the plunge. I get very confused very quickly as to what's out there and what belongs to what line, etc. But I usually have a bit of a, a look at Toys R Us when I'm there, and um, yeah bit of admiration yeah I, don't, I just don't have enough um knowledge of the property to 
be able to distinguish between them. And so I definitely see uh, Transformers occasionally that I think are cool, but um, it's a slippery slope I've managed to avoid, which is, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a dangerous one. It's one that you can spend a fortune just collecting that line um, in and of itself. I'm a cherry picker. Uh, I pick up very minimal amounts of Transformer stuff, but uh, I know some of the people who are very all-in, and it can be very expensive because you almost get two versions of every figure. You get the uh, Western release, and then you get the Japanese release, and there's some collectors. There's often a fair bit of difference in both paint apps and qualities and that. Mm. Um, so you get a lot of people buying two. Like, imagine if every Marvel Legends figure came out with a Western release and then, you know, a Hasbro uh japan release that um used different paints and styles and sometimes made it almost a completely different uh figure so um you know Mm. you might have a brown wolverine released in uh the west and then you know the classic yellow and black wolverine released over in japan so if you wanted both you had to buy them through two different markets and um sometimes completely different head sculpts and all that so it's a uh, it's a very interesting um collector's world uh and speaking of huge fan favorite properties uh my last bit of news uh is kind of the opposite and that is uh sort of these little character pieces based on the classic book the little prince uh so the little prince it's a book about a little prince uh, who lives on a planet and he starts to grow a plant. And it's very philosophical. I study this uh, in religious theories in high school um, and got a bit in trouble from my RE teacher by pointing <laughs> out, uh, you know, having sort of a hippie-type character growing a plant and going through weird trips <laughs> through space uh, and what that might uh, correlate to. And she did not seem to uh, like my opinions too much in my essay that I wrote. I've got a bit of trouble there. Uh, but uh, they, these do – it is a novella, novella uh, that does have a bit of artwork in it. And these PVC characters here do seem to represent it uh, here quite well. It does look like him as he changes throughout the books and uh, starts to become a bit more noble and a bit more royal. You've got him in both the green and blue uh versions here and you've got uh the elephant being swallowed by a boa snake that it seems to come out quite well uh even looks like you might be able to take it off and see the elephant uh inside there uh which is definite part of the book uh but if you're a fan of this sort of cult book here uh definitely check those out they're coming from a japanese uh, uh, site uh, Hobby Link Japan. They're done through Medicom. Uh, they're looking to set you back, uh, varying between 800 yen right up to uh, 5,220 yen. So there is a bit of varying uh, going on here. There's a couple of different sizes. It looks like they might come in uh, through there too uh, in the ones there. But uh, definitely a unique thing seeing this license out here a bit. Have you guys come across this one at all? I have never heard of it. Uh, I've heard of it, but I, I have to confess I do not know much about it, which mm. is why I gave it to you in the news, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Probably the most exposure. If you guys remember, there's an episode of Futurama where Bender... Uh, is lost in space and he starts to have a civilization grow on his stomach. 
I hate it when that happens. That episode actually has a couple Ah. of uh, references through to the Little Prince. In fact, I think he even might bump into his planet at one point as it's moving through. But that's, that's, in fact, a personal uh, literary uh, critique here. I think it's actually better than the book. (laughs) You're better off uh, watching that episode of Futurama than trying to read this old book. But uh, definitely a cult classic there. But um, speaking of The Prince's Journey coming to an end, that's uh, my end of news. (laughs) Nice segue there. Yeah, very good. (laughs) So that must be over to you, Ben. It is. It's me. And, hey, guess what? Hot Toys is there on the uh, Force Awakens bandwagon, and we've already seen the first of their 1-6 scale figures um, coming forward. And now, and this one came out of nowhere. I I don't remember seeing this anywhere. I don't know whether we saw it at San Diego Comic Con. But uh, you can now pre-order the uh, Force Awakens first order TIE Pilot. Um, so I can't tell you much more about him other than he obviously works for the bad guys and he's a, <laughs> uh, an upgrade of the original TIE pilot. Um, and I, I don't think he's as aesthetically pleasing as the Stormtrooper upgrade, but um, this one's clearly influenced by the original TIE pilot, so he's all black and shiny. He's got that groovy hose that comes off of his helmet, uh, etc. And he, he's a nice-looking figure. I mean, this is pretty darn impressive because um, the contrasting, you know, really quite bright and shiny armor to the um, the cloth uh, sort of flight suit underneath um, looks pretty darn good and you got all the usual sort of um, hot toys quality highlights um, on all the little sort of um, uh, you know buttons and switches and whatnot on his um, little console packs there um, really cool looking figure uh, comes with um, you know your usual array of hot toys bits and pieces you're getting about sort of 10 hands or so plus a, a nifty little sort of blaster pistol um, looks really really good no complaints from me. Um, I'm not diving into The Force Awakens until I've actually seen the movie. No way. Um, so especially at this price, this dude will set you back 200 US dollars, uh, and he's going to be out sometime between March and May 2016. So um, I don't know, maybe you could pre-order and then see the movie and cancel if you don't like it. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm glad uh, now that we've got as many of the classic um Star Wars Hot Toys stuff out before because yeah. I think it's going to be a while. Well, I could be wrong, but yeah. it, f- it feels like it's going to be a while now before we see them again. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like everyone's suddenly jumped on that bandwagon. But I, I suppose if you are a Hot Toys or a Hasbro and, and you've got this license to produce figures, you'd, you know, you'd probably want to go and um, start producing, you know, the latest, greatest from what's arguably going to be the biggest movie of all time. Yeah. So, um, I mean, look, you know, that's fine for me if we, you know, the Hasbro six-inch Star Wars Black, if we're having a bit of a break with Force Awakens stuff, um, that won't worry me too much. So I'll divert my funds into other things. For sure. All right, scaling down just a little bit, and uh, many moons ago on the AFB podcast, we interviewed sculptor Gene St. Jean. And he has done many awesome things for many different companies. Um, But now he's uh, stepping out and doing some of his own stuff. He's got a company called Creature Replica, um, which is C-R-E-A-T-U Replica, Creature Replica. Um, And uh, he's obviously following up on a love for, um, uh, what's the actual term for these kind of characters? What do you, you know, what do you call those mythical creatures type thing? <coughs> term for them, but um, oh, you know the yeah, the one dudes with Go the on. stuff yeah. and all that. Arnold, Arnold, get on that. Yeah, 
All right. Um, but anyway, look, these have been in the works for quite some time. I think Gene first uh, debuted these quite some time ago, but they are now finally up for pre-order. So you can go and check out your favourite um, uh, e-tailer and, and check these out. There's four of them up in the first wave. They are the um, the Horror Hound, which is kind of like a, a giant werewolf dude. Uh, there's a variation of him called the Louisiana Rougerou, I think that is. Um, there's the North American Sasquatch and the Himalayan Yeti. And uh, something I think that Gene has managed to do, which is quite clever, is... Um, he's obviously sculpted this North American Sasquatch and with very, very minimal um, tooling and just a, a change of paint, he's actually managed to, you know, sort of reissue that, well, not reissue, but um, offer up that figure uh, repainted as the Yeti. Um, stunning sculpting in this. Gene is actually pretty darn good at what he does. So, you know, you're looking at some really cool uh, sculpting of the fur and whatnot. And these are big dudes too. These, I think they're something like eight and a half or eight and a quarter inches tall. So they're, they're huge kind of um, diamond select size figures. Uh can I just add two things in here? Uh, I believe it was uh, Cryptozoic that ah, you yes, were looking for in terms of the one there. Sorry, I was waiting. My screen was taking forever to load. Um, I couldn't <laughs> see you. what the ones were. And uh, to Gene, who's uh, one of my favourite sculptors around, I brought a whole Stargate toy line uh, without even having watched the show because <laughs> of his wonderful sculpts. Um, he's got all these wonderful reuses of uh, the Sasquatch Buck, but no Yowie, the Australian uh, version. <laughs> um, oh, so a little, on, little disappointed. To, yeah. Yeah. Under Tim, the Yowie man, will be very upset. <laughs> yeah. Wave two for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, these will set you back around 40 uh, US dollars and they will be out. Um, actually, sorry, you can also pre order them as a set of four as well and you can get them from um, Gene's actual site. So these are out May. 2016 and they look pretty darn cool and i think i might even have to take a look at some very fun yeah indeed so good stuff gene all right coming up next is something i found pretty darn awesome and it kind of came out of nowhere um we've talked about hollywood collectibles in the past they've been doing various bits and pieces sort of some quarter scale statues and things like that uh i don't think any of us have actually taken the plunge with their items but um now they've (laughs) gone sorry you don't you mean you don't think any of us have sold organs (laughs) um to take the plunge with their items no these this is the um studio scale power loader dudes aren't they yeah yeah Yeah. All right. Well, they've actually gone a bit of a left turn and instead of producing a statue of a uh, movie character, they've gone into the prop business and uh, they have blown me away with their Aliens M41A pulse rifle replica. So this is, of course, the uh, the weapon used by Hicks and Hudson in, and the gang in um, Mr. Cameron's film and uh, I, I love it i mean I, I love the film it was aliens was the first film that i saw twice at the cinema um you know when it finally dawned on me as a i think you know 13 year old or whatever it was that you can actually you know see movies more than once at the cinema um <laughs> and and uh, i actually saw it i actually saw it three times at the cinema really I, yeah it was not only the first oh, film wow. i saw it twice i saw it Twice in two nights. I went back the, the next night and saw it again, and then a couple of weeks later I saw it a third time. Um, but this is very, very accurate looking. Um, uh, it doesn't actually mention that there are working parts, so I don't know whether the um, uh, the trigger, I don't think the trigger actually works um, or the pump on the um, grenade launcher, but you do get a digital readout on the ammo 
um, on the magazine. So it looks very nice. They are producing it in two versions. There's an olive version and a brown version, um, and then both of those have variants, uh, and they are weathered versions. So there's four different ones available. Um, Something that's kind of starting to happen more and more, um, one version is only available from the actual website, Hollywood Collectibles website. Um, that's the um, the olive version and the brown version will be available through other distributors. Um, I was blown away and jumping up and down with glee until I found out they were 500 bucks each. <laughs> Um, however, they are very limited. The uh, olive one is limited to two fifty, and the brown one is limited to seven fifty. Comes really um, with a really nifty stand that allows it to sort of stand quite well um, without sort of being uh, too sort of in your face. But yeah, five hundred bucks with the current exchange rate, yeah, not, not quite for me. So. But a few people have actually done this over the years, uh, and somehow I've always managed to avoid it. But um, it's just so cool. I love it. Very good. Love it. Yes. Uh, now yeah. I feel like watching the movie again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on to my last bit of news is something I'm very excited about because Mattel is finally giving Hasbro a run for their money in terms of action figures and collectibles. Um, no. All right. Um, uh, I was going to okay. say, I, I must have missed something. <laughs> Yes, apparently the big thing at uh, New York Comic Con this year for Mattel is um, not a, a relaunch of DC Universe Classics or anything to rival uh, Marvel Legends. Instead, they are announcing that their DC superhero Girls Universe is live. Um, this is a, obviously a huge, huge push between, um, well, a whole bunch of people. It's uh, DC Entertainment, Warner Brothers, obviously Mattel because they hold uh, a DC license. Um, and this is effective. A, a universe that is specifically aimed for girls. So this will feature uh, characters and stories that are uh, appearing in a very specific universe. Um, apparently it's all out, huge push. They're going fully digital online with uh, Instagram and Facebook accounts and all that sort of thing. You're getting an animated series. And uh, obviously there's going to be toys spun out of that as well from... What I can tell, there is a 6-inch action figure line and also a 12-inch um, doll-type line, so with actual uh, cloth, you know, with fabric, etc., etc. So um, looking at this, you know, look, uh, I have zero interest um, at all. However, uh, I do actually have an interest on behalf of my girls. Um, you know, my girls are getting right into Teen Titans Go and, and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. So, um, look, I think this is obviously the target audience and uh, I think that'll work quite well. This it obviously seems to be their version of Monster High, I think. Or Disney Princesses. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, look, I think that it is, uh, it's actually really exciting to have comic property stuff aimed at girls yep. uh, because it's a myth that all girls are interested in the same things. Mm. Um, and so, and they should have choices, um, for, uh, what, you know, they want to enjoy. My eldest, um, is too old for this now, but if she had, if this had been around when she was younger, she would have eaten it up, um, yep. because it, this is the stuff that she's interested in. Um, and so I, I think it's fantastic. I think that, you know, it's, uh, Frustrating on the um, DC side only because of the lack of um, collector-aimed stuff that's out there, but you can't yeah. begrudge this at all because it still is 
um, those properties out there. And these are a- aimed at kids who, if they fall in love with this stuff now, are going to grow up and help fuel the collector market yeah. later on. So absolutely, everybody wins. Well, I'll, I'll certainly uh, keep. I'll provide updates as we go. I'll um, I'll get my girls uh, into having a look at it and see how um, they react. I guess good stuff. Hmm, and I think that's me. That is your news, and so there's just me left. Um, first up, from Sideshow, we knew that this was coming, but we hadn't seen the piece until now. And this is the Batman Red Sun premium format figure. So we've already seen the Superman and Wonder Woman, which are uh, basically re purposing the uh, original Superman and Wonder Woman premium format statues with the Red Sun deco. But Batman uh, gets an all-new sculpt. And um, this is, uh, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, this is an Elseworlds um, tale from DC, basically, you know, what if if um, Superman's little capsule had landed in Russia instead of um, in Kansas and, uh, what would have happened uh, from there, etc. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, this is such a unique and distinct Batman, uh, yeah. take that, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of stuff with Batman in particular that people who don't know the properties would still look at and go, Oh, that's cool. I want that. I'm not sure if this is it. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, he's got the whole, what do you call those hats? You know, the, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, <sighs> the Russian fur one. Yeah, yeah. The kind of the fur hat thing happening there, which is, you know, I can just kind of see, uh, people that love this storyline going for it. And I've definitely seen a lot of enthusiasm for this set mm-hmm. on the collector, um, kind of front. Um, but for, you know, basically 500 US. Yeah. Yeah, look look I think it's stunning. Yeah, it's beautiful, um, to, beautiful. to look at. It is yeah. aesthetically very very pleasing to Miller uh sculpting. Um it, it does. It just looks amazing, but f- for me spending that kind of cash um you know, I I just want to get that one rendition, you know, well-rendered version of my favorite character and, and then move on. Um, and I guess, you know, look, maybe if you're a, a Batman completist, um, you'll be uh, adding this to your um, your collection. But, you know, wow, it was one Elseworld story. And, you know, it's been a long time since I've uh, read, you know, Red Sun. But I actually didn't think it was that good when it came out. <laughs> so, I mean, look, I used to read all the Elseworlds. I, sure. I quite enjoyed, you know, Absolutely. Gotham White Gaslight and all that sort yep. of thing. There was some really nifty stuff in there. But yep. I don't remember Red Sun actually being that good. So I, I don't know what. You know what? Why it's taken sideshow's interest um, in in doing this? Um, I wasn't particularly impressed with um, Superman or, or Wonder Woman, but maybe that's because um, I'm not big on reuse of an existing sculpt. But uh, yeah, look, this is an, an absolutely stunning piece. I don't have anything against it whatsoever, other than the fact that you know I won't be getting it. So. Yeah, <laughs> look, I mean, I, I I'm with you. I do not really get the nostalgia and love for that story. Um, I I don't think it was um uh but there you go like it is it's a unique take on something um and very happy to um have you know like that there are some figures that they did of these and that that's fine at the six inch scale 
But yeah, at this, but then again, like I said, I have seen a lot of enthusiasm for these in collector forums where I would say from people that aren't really familiar with the story or mm. the, you know, the, the property, they just like collecting this stuff. And if they're cashed up and can yeah, afford, yeah. you know, extra versions, well, then good on SciShow for having the gumption to, to do yeah. it. And as you said, like on aesthetically on the piece alone, beautifully, beautifully done. So it is, yeah. But, but I, I still don't you understand. Too. Uh, won't be rushing out to get it. No. Uh, uh, dude, that's like a three-minute uh, commenting <laughs> ban just for that. I've been waiting for a gap <laughs> yeah. to get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Uh, yeah. I, I deserve top marks for that joke. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I, I'm just glad this isn't Kingdom Come because then it would be a whole different conversation. <laughs> well, see, I mean, that uh, – yeah, well, I'm sure that's still – just you know hold your horses kind of thing it'll it'll come for sure um okay so on to something that i would be more inclined to fork out for um tweeterhead uh via sideshow is um doing a great job with the classic batman um stuff they their maquettes um they've got two different lines going they have the batman tv classic um maquette set going where we've seen um and movie so we've got both um batman robin um the julie newmar catwoman yvonne craig batgirl kind of stuff on the maquette side they've also then got a michelle pfeiffer catwoman um kind of randomly thrown in there as well <laughs> but then they are doing uh what's called the classic collection which are classic versions of some of the Batman comic characters. Um, and so far, um, where Batwoman and Penguin are both up for pre-order. Um, the Penguin I've actually got on pre-order because I can see that kind of fitting, um, perhaps in with the collection. And now they've mm. solicited Two-Face. Um, so these are, uh, the truly classic versions of the characters and, um, Two-Face, um, in his, really classic appearance with the uh, orange and purple two-sided um, suit and uh, right down to the shoes. That kind of be a pain. I think you have to remember mm. odd shoes, but there you go. Um, I've often wondered, and this is totally off track when you see like a shoe on the side of the road, <laughs> like what yeah, happened? How to did th- they just lose one? Yeah. Where did, yeah. I mean, like, you know, is it, thrown there by angry one-legged people who you know <laughs> resent having to buy a full pair of shoes just put one on or are one-legged people just terribly careless with their footwear i don't know mm-hmm. um but anyway uh so look i i think these look really fun i'm i'm waiting to see um that penguin in person um they have what looks like they could be interlocking bases. They've got kind of matching stone rooftop bases and, uh, they look like they could, uh, be, um, work well displayed together. And if they do, this is going to be very tempting for me. Um, you know, that Batwoman statue as well is just kind of so unique, Mm. um, in, in terms of the, the property. So it's great to see them doing some different things rather than just the same versions of the same characters yeah. over and over again. I love it. However, I think I'm on the fence with this one. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, I personally have just never really been a fan of the orange and purple two face 
look, I know it's a classic design from, um, you know, around the 40s there to the 80s, but it just never really worked for me as much <laughs> as once they got into that uh, uh, Bruce Tim, the black and white suit design for him. It's just oh. – there's. Just something about it. Just yeah. This is from the kid who hates vintage. So this is vintage. Yeah, oh, vintage. <laughs> just like uh, pre ninety five. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's something that I'm interested in, and I'll keep an eye on. Um, now, uh, DC movies, you know, have not really been that you know the the recent ones i i think fantastic um all hopes currently are pinned on batman versus superman dawn of justice which is going to introduce the cinematic uh version of wonder woman and uh dc collectibles has got a 1/6 scale statue out that looks lovely um and if this is what she's going to look like in the movie then you'd have to say it is a very faithful uh rendition of the character in true film yeah, I'm not offended. No. Mm. Uh, mm. Um, you know, it is a uh, it it's um, kind of exciting really to to see that and I mean we we've seen glimpses of it to think it was going to be faithful but they're not shying away from who the character actually is and I think mm. that's groovy. Mm. Um again, you know, do I would I be interested in pre-ordering collectibles from movies that are not out yet? No. Um <laughs> And do, would I want a movie statue anyway? No, that's a separate thing. But <laughs> I guess you know they've got to have this stuff ready for when it comes out. It's kind of I don't know. See, I I this is kind of the same deal with the Force Awakens stuff. I, if I really like the movie, then I'll pre-order the stuff after the movie and wait yeah. for it. But there you go. Yeah. Because it's just yep. 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 all the yep. way the model works these days. I was the only one of um, my friends that held off on um, getting Godzilla toys when the uh, the Matthew Broderick film came out. <laughs> they all went crazy and bought everything, and then we saw the movie, and it's like, ha ha. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of like the Green Lantern um, stuff as well. Mm, Independence you know? Day was the other one for me. <laughs> I walked out of Independence right? Day just shaking my head. And it's yeah. like, what did I just see? <laughs> you know what? I, I still claim that the Green Lantern movie master line is a great figure line of different uh, Green Lanterns and some good sculpts and that in there. That the movie wasn't yeah. good, but you know what? I, I still stand by that uh, movie master <laughs> line. Oh no, I think the toys were great for a great variety. Know. Yeah. yeah, I'm still so depressed about that movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, and so then on to my last bit of news, bit of a sad note, really. Um, we've been following the October Choice Skeleton Warriors Grim Skull Kickstarter. You might recall that I reviewed the, um, Baron Dark Skeleton Warriors figure, which was successfully funded through Kickstarter, but unfortunately the Grim Skull uh, Kickstarter did not fund. Um, so October Toys have said that they will go again and that they're looking at, um, uh, another, way to uh present that so we'll keep an eye out for that and hopefully second time will be the charm for that so can i just ask if you can recall is this structured much the same as the previous one in terms of um you know the 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 pledge levels and the total Uh, amount required so i I guess what i'm asking is you know did the previous one they won 100 grand they managed to get 100 grand hooray the figures out now they want another 100 grand but they haven't made it or a bit more ambitious, or what? What do you think was behind the the missed 
Um, look, I don't know. I think that the um, the the characters um, are pretty similar. Um, mm. I, I think that the 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 pledge level was the same. I'm pretty sure it was like oh, fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. Yeah, but I can't remember. Uh, Baron Dark, um, they raised over 50,000, but I can't remember what the level, um, yeah. was that they were actually looking for. Um, oh, it was, it was only, f- uh, 5,000 less. So the, the goal for Baron Dark was 45,000 and they raised okay. just over 50. And the goal for Grim Skull was 50. So you, you know, you'd think kind of similar mm-hmm. there. Um, so yeah, who knows? Like, I think that's the thing with Kickstarters is that a lot of it is, uh, I mean, obviously you've got to have the, the product, but then yeah. it's, it's timing. It is, um, you know, how much kind of reach you get on social media, etc. Um, so, and, and Grimskull was one of the stretch goals for Baron Dark that didn't get mm-hmm. achieved. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some, in, there's definitely enthusiasm for the property out there. Um, I, I'm just a fan of, even though, like, I'm not really a Skeleton Warriors fan, um, I'm just really keen to try and support, um, the, the independent stuff that's happening. And yeah. so I think, you know, they'll, they'll regroup and they'll find a way to, um, to move forward, but just mm. watch this space. Yeah, I, I I find it interesting just because this is kind of the wild west of toy collecting at the moment. There are no rules or logic to it um, in the way it works, and it's interesting to see how it goes. Whether maybe uh, part of I was wondering if maybe because you had the Skeleton Warriors Kickstarter with Baron Dark a few months ago, that kind of got a lot of attention and people saw it and they talked about it. And then you know coming back for a second time around whether it's as effective on Kickstarter for your second launch. You've sort of had that um, bit of attention come through and the surprise factor of, oh, look, Skeleton Warriors is back and um, Mm -hmm. all that, and whether, you know, it might be in the future people sort of bundle them more together, um, like sort of the Marauder John uh, way of doing it, where it's all the different figures there and one that you unlock through stretch goals, or, you know, whether maybe this is the way to do it and you do um, a different figure each one, or, um, you know, you've got the four horsemen ones, they generally put as many figures as they can into the one. Yeah, well, uh, I I think that was the intent of the original Kickstarter. When you look at the Baron Druck one, they had basically, you know, all the characters um, there as stretch goals and they didn't get there. And so it it may be that there it just isn't the scope within the property to um, uh, fund it this way. Um, and uh, But, you know, certainly from my perspective um, as a, a backer, um, top marks to October Toys for the way that they ran and executed the Baron Dark one. I mm. mean, very quick turnaround, mm. you know, great delivery, exactly what was promised. Um, you know, I've, I've got one that I've basically given up on that we, the very first Kickstarter show we ever did, we interviewed a couple of people with, who were successfully funded and one of those has never been delivered. Um, <laughs> you know, which, well, not, not in its entirety. And there's a number of reasons for that and there's still updates coming, but I kind of have just kissed that money goodbye, basically. Mm. Um, yeah. and, uh, so, you know, you, you just, you have to take your hat off to them. And I think it's just the nature of crowdfunding is that, yeah. you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And so, but it's good for us. 
also not to take for granted that just because it's out there means it's going to get made. Um, And uh, I think you're right, Eddie. I think that that it is tricky how many times you can go back to the well, as it were. Um, So, yeah. yeah. Heart goes out to Hursty, friend of the show. Um, he's he's so a big I'm, fan, obviously. Yeah, yeah I'm, right. I'm only laughing to something because he's such such a passionate skeleton warriors fan. May, maybe slightly obsessed. Is that <laughs> yeah? That's okay. We're, 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 we're all obsessed. We're, we're all slightly obsessed, but that's good. It's good, yeah. man. Um, yeah. So yeah, keep up the good work. And uh, that wraps up our news. We will uh, hand over to John for a moment for the next installment of Name That, and then we're going to be back with our toy breakdown, in which no toys will be broken. <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. Didn't you know? Yeah, yeah we're not breaking any toys. That whole bus is going to cost a lot to replace. <laughs> My name is Hey guys, John, and you know I'm here to play the next installment of Name That. What's Name That, you ask? You probably know by now, but it's the game we play where I play a sound. You guys guess what it is. And we'll get right to business and play last week's sound right here. Take the elevator! Hurry! Now cross the light bridge! You won't escape me! Jump! Now... As of when I'm recording this, nobody has got this right yet, and actually nobody has guessed that I know of, but this is probably the granddaddy of all playsets. It's probably one of the most coveted and well-remembered playsets because this is for the vintage Star Wars Death Star. Um, you know, if a kid had one of those in the neighborhood, he was normally pretty popular, and I remember it was a big deal when a kid brought one to school in grade school, so uh, it's a pretty big set. Got a lot of neat things going on, trash compactor, stuff like that. So, anyway, if uh, you want to feel nostalgic, listen to the end of this segment and you will hear the whole commercial. But, speaking of sounds and commercials, maybe we should put another one right here. It has a car and boat trailer. And there's a car and shopping trailer for his wife. And we're just too kind because we're going to play it one more time. It has a car and boat trailer. And there's a car and shopping trailer for his wife. Now, if you want to be like all of my good friends and some of my not so good friends and just people I really enjoy being around, you could go over to AFB Forum. That's AFBforum.com and make a guess. And you join the forum, you make the guess in the name that thread. If you get it right, you get a forum point. You get enough forum points and you get my autograph. That's right. If you can get enough forum points, I will give you my autograph. How do you like that? I don't think I've ever offered my own autograph. Um, just as long as it's not on a restraining order, we're in, we're in good shape. Um, but if that's all too hard for you, always come over to tvandfilmtoys.com on Tuesdays, Thursdays. We play a picture version. I've been running a thing where I've been kind of bringing up some from the past that maybe people didn't get and uh, looking back on those. So that's always fun. You still can guess in the AFB form and still get those points. So uh, keep guessing, people. And until next time, this is John saying, as always, peace out.
new Star Wars Death Star Space Station that you put together. Action figures each sold separately. Darth Vader's firing a laser cannon. It's been hit. He's after Luke. Take the elevator. Hurry. Now cross the light bridge. You won't escape me. Jump, Luke. Oh, no. The trash compactor. There's a trash monster. The wall's closing. Save. Kenner's new Star Wars Death Star Space Station. Action figures each sold separately. Well, we are big Marvel Legends fans, and when a few of us have all got the latest wave or set, um, we try to take some time to look at those in detail. So this is a bit beyond just a toy of the week. It's what we call our toy breakdown segment, where we're going to look at it in a little bit more detail. Um, but don't worry, we won't be ripping any of them apart. Uh, but we are looking at the Marvel Legends Hulkbuster wave. Um, this is a combination of comic characters and then a couple of Age of Ultron uh, figures. And we all have all or most of them. So, Eddie, I believe... You got the whole wave, and you have all a, wave. yeah, and you have a complete Hulkbuster. I got the whole wave. I have a complete Hulkbuster, and Ben, you don't have all of a Hulkbuster yet, do you? No, no, I don't. No. So, which which <laughs> bits are you missing? Uh, look, I just I just could not bring myself to get any more Iron Man figures. Um, I think to date I have almost every Iron Man figure, and I've got tubs of them, and I just. Have zero interest in the Iron Man figure, we, even though it's the Marvel Now one. I have no interest in the movie War Machine because I've got War Machines out the wazoo, and um, I'm really not feeling that Vision at all. I'm very happy with um, the other two Vision figures that we've received. So, yeah, my Hulkbuster is um, headless, um, legless, and even worse, groinless. Oh man. <laughs> Okay. Well, we'll have a look at, we'll have a a chat about each of the figures and then um, we'll talk about Hot Buster at the end. So I've just got my little set here um, to start with. Let's talk about the Iron Man and War Machine first because that's probably, you know, the least noteworthy um, of the the pair. And Eddie, you and I have got those. Um, What are your initial thoughts on those two? Um, I look. I do like these figures. I'm prob. I was probably one of the few people excited to get the Marvel Now Iron Man in the uh, black and yellow. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a Richmond Tigers fan, um, <laughs> but also I, for some reason, I've just always liked the black and uh, yellow look. On there was sort of a Iron Man character similar to it in the. Um, M2C universe. So I, I was looking forward to getting this figure. I was probably the one. And my one actually arrived with a paint dint on his forehead. Oh. So he's got a big black mark uh, through there. So in, in hand, he was a little bit disappointing to me. And the fact that he's such a heavy buck reuse of a movie buck, I believe yeah. he's the he is, uh, yeah. episode two one, that kind of let it down a bit rather than being a more comic base one he really does feel more like a movie figure uh than the comic one that he's uh meant to be so uh he was one i actually was in the minor camp of looking forward to but uh it was actually probably my biggest disappointment uh out of the group but the war machine i actually really like i think there's some wonderful paintwork uh on this one it's the exact same buck from the iron patriot figure from the iron man 3 marvel legends wave um, but the extra paint they've uh, put on here and the little uh, marine markings on the suit and the extra head sculpt uh, with the Don Cheadle head 
uh, I really do like in there. So uh, on the flip side, uh, very big fan of the War Machine here. Yeah, I have to say, I really like the War Machine figure. I, um, unlike Ben, you know, I'm not a fan of the movie figures either, um, but I'm too lazy to um, chase down build a figure parts. So <laughs> I'm more inclined to buy the whole wave and then sell the ones I don't want. Um, so the, uh, like you, I thought I might keep the Marvel now Iron Man because it is a different version, but I was a bit, um, yeah, I felt like even though I don't have that, uh, paint, um, deco that I just feel like, you know what, I've got this figure already. And, and I think that the, the movie Iron Man figures to me were a bit small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they just felt small. And I just felt that about this. So when someone, um, on one of the Facebook groups that, um, I'm a part of was after it, I was like, yeah, you can, you can have that. That's fine. Um, but I did keep my war machine, um, because I really, you know, I don't need the, um, Don Cheadle head. Um, but the, the figure itself, I actually think is quite fun. You know, I remember walking into Toys R Us and seeing Marvel Legends Wave 1 on the peak. So I've been there since the beginning and, uh, you know, I think I've pretty much got every Iron Man figure except maybe sort of two or three, and that's because of the recent sort of saturation. But despite having all those figures, I still have the original Marvel Legends Iron Man in my display. I, I haven't upgraded it to any of the others i just think it's um yeah look it's a bit dated in in sort of design but it still looks like a big chunky um you know figure it actually looks like a guy in a suit yeah (laughs) yeah no i understand what you're saying um yeah so that that's the war machine and iron man um I'll, I'll, i'll try and leave the more interesting ones for later so let's talk about um dr strange um who is you know, obviously not the first Doctor Strange that we've had as a Marvel legend. And also, if you um, had the uh, San Diego exclusive Marvel legend box set this year, then you've kind of already seen this figure, except in a see-through version. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, what, what are our thoughts on this one? I are love him. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like it, too. Yeah, me too. I think... Um, you know, look, as much as I don't like the sort of, um, you know, updating of costumes when the, the change is significant, I think, you know, the original Ditko Doctor Strange costume is absolutely fantastic, but boy, howdy, um, does it really show its age. It's, um, it's pretty ordinary. Um, but that Marvel Legends figure too is, uh, incredibly unwieldy with that huge rubber cape, etc. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. as as much as I just love that original design, and, and uh, I would have loved to him loved for this figure to be the original costume, just updated. Um, I actually think this update works really, really well. And I, I just I look at this figure and I smile. And I, I think the reason why it brings a smile to my face every time is because he just looks like he's at a um, you know a Metallica concert. <laughs> The, the devil horns up and he's just rocking out, um, you know, in the mosh pit at this concert. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm not quite feeling the buck use on this one. I think this buck's probably not quite right for a, you know, a, uh, he's certainly a middle-aged guy sporting some very ripped thighs. Um, this is the the bucky cap um, buck, or the one that's been sort of reused to death with, um, you know, Machine Man and, and Black Panther and all that sort of thing. Um, it does actually look like they've 
substituted the the abs and the torso. Like a lot of the torso seems to be new, I think, and uh, perhaps that's just sort of just tone down the musculature a little bit and give the um, the appearance of a tunic. But yep, I love it. Yep. I mean, it's nice to, uh, like I said, I think, like you said, I think this is a figure that, a character that probably, you know, in need of a bit of an update and just to get a new, you know, version, at least it's significantly different enough to kind of justify a different, um, uh, figure. And if you do have the translucent version as well, then you can display him with his astral form. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is fun. He comes with those, um, magic is happening wrist <laughs> things um, yes. that now I'm sure will come with every magic character. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, but they're kind of cool. The um the neck peg on my figure is incredibly loose. Oh yeah, I, uh, ugh, the ball jointed neck. It's like a bobblehead. I, I do not like. Mm. Do not like. I mean, it's the same. It was same on the um translucent one, obviously. But I just don't get why we need a ball jointed neck. That's right. Mine, mine's actually fairly well on. I was quite lucky with mine. I didn't realize that was a, a run. Wow. But yeah, the no, Ray, I, I love I love this costume. I was a big fan of Fraction's uh, Defenders run. Uh, where where's it around? There actually is a story reason for why he doesn't have the cape. That's off with uh, Brother Voodoo at yeah. that time, and it just uh, so I I been this has been one of my most wanted uh, marvel legend figures i'm a huge doctor strange fan and uh i do have wanted him in both forms and yeah very very happy to finally have him uh in hand he's uh on my top of my want pile for quite some time <laughs> cool sweet um then we've got the the blizzard hooray hooray so, hey. who, who is the blizzard i have to say this is really... <laughs> another blizzard ah uh, just, Blizzard just, was just he's, Blizzard. Just Blizzard. He's one of the early Marvel media characters. Well, he was uh, one of the main villains in the Iron Man animated show in the nineties. Aha, uh-huh, that's why I don't know who he is. Yeah, he was around long before that, though. Yeah, he's, yeah. Um, he's somebody who's been in the Marvel universe a long time, and he's. Um, I think he originally appeared in Tales of Suspense. With um, you know, Stan Lee um, scribing away, um, and he's gone through a few iterations. He's one of those villains who, um, you know, the original one was sort of killed off, and then someone else came along and, and took on the persona and that sort of thing. But this is the sort of the classic Blizzard costume that we got from um, the Iron Man appearances. Okay. So he's he's in there with um, you know the Iron Man villains like um, the Unicorn and, and guys like that. So. This one for me, I think, is one of the weaker figures in the group. Um, just production wise, mine um, has got some paint little issues. Um, he's got a white kind of blob on his right cheek. Um, oh, which, okay. Yeah, unless that is a design thing, I think is a no, boo boo. Right. Um, and um, yeah, I, d- I don't think that the. I, I think it's white plastic with a wash but then i'm not sure if all the pieces are no i think we've actually got a combination of stuff going on here Mm, this is that um 
I don't pretend to understand action figure production, but this is one of those weird things where I scratch my head because the um, it actually looks like, you know, the, the torso, for example, is done in white plastic and then has this, um, the blue highlights kind of sprayed on and they obviously use a, a template to do that. Um, this guy's actually been on my custom list for a long, long time because um, I was really enjoying Iron Man when this guy was doing his thing. And, uh, you know, I, I always put him off because of the way the... Um, the way the costume sort of gives that, you know, the icicle appearance. And I just thought I, I just can't be bothered painting that by hand. <laughs> so he always went to the bottom of the list. But, yeah, so you've got this really weird kind of white cast torso um, with the blue sprayed on, but then the arms are actually done in this very sort of pearlescent, um, you know, it, it almost looks translucent. It's yeah. not I held it up to the light, but it's, yeah. it's done in a pearlescent to sort of give that effect. But, you know, his arms and his legs are actually done in the blue plastic and then has the white sprayed on. Yeah, that's what so I wondered. I don't quite understand how that happens. Um, yeah. but, or yeah. why that's more cost-effective, because obviously it comes down to cost. Um, yeah, so, yeah. you know, why is that more cost-effective? And certainly, I don't know, I think probably Joe Blow... Um, I've talked a lot about Joe Blow tonight. Um, you know, Fred, Fred Jones, you know, random action figure collector or kid buying it wouldn't notice, but when you're kind of sitting there looking at it, it just starts to bug me. Yeah. Um, look, this is the, the Bucky cap buck again. I think this is going to be the, um, the go-to buck preference for, you know, that medium body um, whenever Hasbro needs it. I think they've pretty much phased out the Quicksilver buck now. Uh, in favour of this one. I, I'm still not a huge fan because I think it's overly muscular, um, which is a bit of a shame. The one thing I, I love about this figure, and I'm really lucky, mine has pretty flawless paint. I actually am having a really, really good look and I, I can't complain too much at all. Um, but I think the, the one thing that's a huge win for this figure is that new head sculpt, which is that um, that, mar that full head uh, mask that doesn't actually feature a mouth because um, I can see see them getting a lot of reuse out of this head sculpt. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, so the other thing that I think is funny about this is that uh, he has a hole in his back, <laughs> and um, you can actually see right inside him. He's kind of yes. hollow. He has no heart. Um, no, yeah. no, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So where does that peg come from? Like, what? that's... Not well, that's that's basically for anyone who needs a, a cape later on, I assume. <sighs> so what I um was I mean, you know, this head I keep coming back to the head sculpt and seeing them, you know, using this this entire figure could be reused for guys like the eel. Um, you know, it could be the base for the prowler, and I think that head sculpt will suit uh, uh, another moon knight when we finally get one. Um, which is great. Um I am probably the most disappointed with this figure that we didn't get any um, add-on bits. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. this figure's screaming out for some sort of clip-on, you know, um, ice effects. And uh, I know we got the Hulkbuster, you know, it's nice to get the Builder figure part, but, you know, Doc Strange got his, um, you know, his, his little magic thingies and, you know, some other characters have swords and stuff. And, yeah, I just think that's a bit of a shame. And even if he could have, like, the um, sort of outreach Spider-Man hands or something like that, so it gave the presence of him giving an ice blast rather yeah. than the closed fist ones or something like that as well. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Look, for, this is my favourite figure of the wave, I have to really? say. Really? Oh, yeah. I've wow. absolutely been spoiled with, um, 
you know, those classic villains in their classic outfits, like, you know, Batroc, Tiger Shark, even going back to, you know, when we first kicked things off with um, Constrictor and Claw, um, you know, this is why I'm in the game, to get characters like okay. this. Okay, so because of the because of the character. Because yeah. I suppose because I don't have much connection with the character, I'm just kind of looking at the figure and going, eh. yeah, Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Um, well, if we move on to Vision, we can critique the same buck. Um <laughs> With, who has a hole in his back and he needs one. Yes. Um, so different hands, head, and no, same feet, um, but um, same same buck. Um, same – I'm just looking at what this is cast in um, color-wise. It's kind of that marble effect type one in some of the ones on mine looking here that yeah. Hasbro have done sometimes. Now, I have to say that as far as visions go, I know this is the Marvel Now vision, but I, I really quite like this figure. I think that, um, you know, the original, uh, I'm not a huge, a fan of the Toy Biz Bucks. Um, not being a huge articulation person, you know, to me, they're over articulated and hard to pose and et cetera. So happy for an, an update. I don't have the, what was the, the, the last vision that was in what wave? Uh, it was the Aries wave. Wasn't yeah. It? Okay. So I never had him. Um, so, you know, this is okay. Although, um, quite a busy and sort of different outfit from the, the classic, um, but very metallic, um, mm. which I think, um, like the the paint wise, the green metallic paint that they've used really highlights all of the um, musculature and striations in the buck, and I totally hear what you're saying um, in terms of the over muscled yeah um, thing because like this you know particularly for an android um, like you know this mm-hmm. guy would be like Mister Universe of the <laughs> android race he's that that muscled. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, the thing I can't get past is that goofy Spider-Man hand. It just looks awkward. But that's just you know based on uh, reference photos because I don't have the figure in hand. But. I, don't, I don't mind it. I like the outstretched. You know, I I like the outstretched hand for any kind of character that's got the sort of powers. Like you know, that hand would be great on Blizzard, as you were um, mm. saying. Mm. So I don't kind of see it as a Spider-Man hand. I see it as a I am doing my power thing hand. Mm. I, I can understand from certain angles it does look slightly too big for him there against the wrist, but then other <laughs> angles it looks um, completely fine mm. with it there. But I can slightly see where you're coming from, Ben, on the actual figure. Well, I mean, it was designed for a Spider-Man figure, so you know I think they could have toned it down slightly. Mm. Well, I, th- I don't, I, th- I don't think you know you would. Like I didn't, I would never look at that and think, "Oh, that's from Spider-Man." So it kind of it looks fine to me on the figure. Okay. For me, I was actually surprised he was one of those figures that when I got the whole set in and I set up on the coffee table and um, sort of bummed around for the rest of the day, he was one of those ones. You know, you get that figure that you just constantly keep picking up hmm. and sort of tweaking with and reposing and putting back down. He he became one of that for me. Uh, he was one that I kept. Uh, constantly just changing the pose and looking around and uh, finding to I get, kept getting drawn back to him for I can't really explain it but he was just one of those figures mm. there you go and uh, that leaves us with the lovely ladies of the way Valkyrie and Thundra um, yeah. who do you want to talk about first Eddie um, 
Let's do Thundra because I'm not going to be as nice with Valkyrie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, go, you go. Uh, I, I quite like uh, Thundra. She was uh, seems to be fairly nice um, of a buck. And is this one? I couldn't really place it before, but I'm sure we've seen this buck before. Yeah, it's the Red She-Hulk. Red She-Hulk, yeah. Red She-Hulk. Ah, of course. Yeah. Of course there. Um, and was she meant to be a swap out for her originally? Uh, it was Back meant in the to day, be. Is it the, one of those ones? It was meant to be the, um, what's her name? Not not Thundra, but Thundra and Holt's yeah, daughter. Lyra. Yeah, I mean, she's, um, well, her name's Lyra, but, um, yeah, she's a She-Hulk, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's Thundra with green skin basically yeah so i'm very glad that we got thundra instead of her um mm-hmm. just you know for a more kind of classic character etc yeah um, i'm not ben no i'm not <laughs> okay i mean look at you know she's a perfectly fine figure it's about time they got some reuse out of that she-hulk buck they sort of promised for a long time that we'd be seeing um you know a, a few new figures and i actually i'm surprised that we haven't had an updated she-hulk i thought that would have been high on their priority um, yeah, I mean, look, for, for me personally, this is a perfectly fine figure. It works well on the, the She-Hulk buck, but I did a um, Thundra custom a little while ago that I'm still very, very proud of. And, um, you know, when I stand them next to each other, I, I do actually prefer my custom. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still de- deciding whether or not to hang on to this figure. Hmm. Um, but you don't begrudge the rest of us who can't make a Thundra finally having one. I do not. Oh, good. What a relief. Um so you know the only thing that I don't like about this, I, I like that the her um, it's not a bra, but what it, I mean, it's not actually sculpted on; it's painted on. But because of the um, way that the ab kind of crunches done, it looks like it's sculpted on. It's actually mm-hmm. you know quite mm-hmm. a, a nice effect. Um, you know, I, I love this larger female. Um, Buck, I think it's fantastic for characters like this. Um, you know, I think her hair sculpt, everything's really great. Um, her, I just find her weapon, you know, the ball, <laughs> ball on the chain thing, really hard to pose in a way that yeah. just look totally stupid. Yes, it's quite odd, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't really sort of, it's almost like it's either too long or not flexible enough. Yeah. I just like, I, I have tried and tried to you know find a way to make it look menacing or you know, anything and it just always looks like what what what's that what's happening yeah so, <laughs> gravity doesn't work that yeah, way yeah no it just doesn't work that way it just i can't i cannot get it to look cool <laughs> that's the bottom line but you know small complaint <laughs> um and oh and i also like the fact that her belt is um, a separate piece, so it gives, kind of gives a bit more flexibility there, and uh, that is quite good. And finally, Valkyrie. Yeah. Mm. Braids are hard. Yeah. I think that's mm. the, that's the major takeaway from this is that sculpting characters with long braided hair just must be a pain in the butt. This this is one I I don't want to be too harsh on because I can see that the sculptors tried to do something, and more so in hand than in pictures you can kind of see what they tried to do with the braids there at the back and it is kind of more realistic to how braids would work against a real skull but it's one of those ones that once it's in a three D plastic form it just doesn't 
come across the same way. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to see her with sort of less volume in the back of her head um, and sort of more unrealistic against that back of her skull there um, mm. and how that would have looked because it just looks like she's got an elongated blockhead um, <laughs> at the moment. And it's don't know about your guys' one, but mine, the head sculpt isn't sitting 100% flush against the ear, which adds a whole other sort of wig um, yep. dimension there to her. Yeah. What they've done is they've obviously sculpted the head and the hair as two separate pieces, which is not uncommon when uh, a character has sort of that long flowing hair, uh, particularly if it's sculpted from something else like that sort of flexible plastic, and then they, they glue it down. And on, certainly over the left ear, um, you can actually see the gap where they haven't actually quite sat it correctly. Um, I, I'm not feeling this figure at all, to be honest. I, I'm still not even sure why I got her. I, I know that the original Valkyrie figure is um, in high demand because she was so hard to get um, because of distribution, etc. And you know, which is a shame because the original Valkyrie, other than the face sculpt, um, isn't too bad. And so you, you sort of wonder whether this is Hasbro going, hey, you know, we've heard your pleas, collectors, you know, we're going to bring you another Valkyrie um, to make up for the, you know, the other one that's impossible to get. But the execution, I think, is quite poor. I think her new costume um, is quite ugly compared to the original. I think they've taken away all the elements that sort of made her sort of feel like she's Asgardian. But um, I also don't think the She-Hulk buck works, um, the red She-Hulk work buck um, actually works because she's mm. actually nowhere near this big in the comics. Uh, so why they've decided to make her out to be seven feet tall is uh, a bit perplexing. Um, so, yeah, the costume actually doesn't work at all for me being quite dull. But the thing that keeps taking away is that gigantic head. She's got, you know, this huge melon and it's um And that's already on top of a gigantic buck as is. Which mm. Yeah. Mm. So I, I think for, for those, you know, who mightn't have seen the, the figure and certainly you can look in the... Um, the blog post for this or on the, the pictures of the, for the podcast. But the way that they've sculpted the braids is that they come over her shoulders and kind of cascade over her breasts. And the, that decision is what has created this whole kind of issue, I think, because it's meant that she's got to have all that volume at the back. And then she has these, like, preposterously posed braids literally hanging over her breasts. Um, and it just makes it weird to look at. Um, you know, I, I just don't know why they decided to do that. Um, but yeah, it just makes the thing not work. I, you know, I, I'm don't mind that. Okay. Yep. This is the Marvel, you know, the updated costume. That's fine. You know, we've had the other one. Um, so if they're going to do it again, at least it's a different version. Um, but yeah, I just don't, I don't understand why they decided to sculpt her head that way. Yeah, I think interestingly too, her belt is actually a solid sculpted yeah, yeah. piece, whereas yeah. Thundra's belt is actually a separate piece and it can move yeah. around. Yeah. So that's interesting, given that it's the exact same buck and you know the exact same thing going on. Um, I'm not quite sure why they did what they did. No. So, no. but I mean, look, she comes with a pretty neat um, version of Dragon Fang, which is um, her trusty sword, which is nice. But jeez, um, I tell you what, I, I feel sorry for the Pegasus that she's going to sit on. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Mm. Okay, 
And finally, to the main event, let's talk about Mr. Hulkbuster. And Ben can talk about his two-thirds of a Hulkbuster. Yeah, I'm just going to go and sit quietly. <laughs> now, I have to say, this is this is like going back to the good old days of awesome big builder figures. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I did not anticipate how large this was going to be and how solid, like, it's a heavy... It is, isn't thing. it? Yeah. Mm. Pretty amazing. I, I, I think you can see where, you know, there's a bit thinner plastic and a lot of buck reuse and that going on in this wave here and um, quite a few characters with not as detailed uh, head paint apps and things like that going on. And I think you can see here where the money has been going on a couple of waves here in Marvel Legends. Um, the, the Hasbro uh, guys were saying that this one required some costs spreading out over multiple waves of Marvel Legends to be able to pull off. And uh, I, I think you can definitely understand when you have the actual Hulkbuster there in hand um, and how big and massive he actually is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that um, the fact that this is a freebie, like basically that you're getting um, in in a wave. Is just cool, you know. I'm, as I'm putting it together, I'm going, my gosh, I can't believe that this is so big. And there's lots of ways I think that Hasbro could have spun this to make a lot of money out of it, um, because it, you know, to me, like it is something that I would pay for, um, mm. because you know it is beautifully detailed. The articulation is actually, I think, pretty good. Um, you know, you can do a fair bit with it. Um, it is very, very fun. And so the fact that, that we actually got this just through standard, you know, builder figures, um, yeah. I, I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah, like this could have been the San Diego exclusive in and of itself, just in a box set and mm. pop through and... I mean, I hope they never do that because they're a bugger to get. But, um, you know, it is it's it is quite amazing that they did go the build-a-figure route with it rather than some special costs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I had the um, Diamond Select one uh, on uh, a, a pre-order or maybe in my big bad pile of loot and uh, b- because I often find um, that the Diamond Select oversized figures – um, work really nicely with Marvel Legends, but yeah. as soon as I built this, I just cancelled that. So I'm like, I do not need that. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and I do love the way it works with the Age of Ultron Hulk uh, figure, and he just towers over that one. And that's probably the biggest Hulk um, buck we've gotten in that from the Hasbro side of things um, as of yet. I mean, he feels even though he came single carded, he feels like a builder figure. Himself is bigger than um, the Green Goblin and um, mm. all that, but mm. this one just towers over that and really does give you that movie feel of how they were proportioned um, in the actual film. Yeah. Um, very nicely uh, detailed. The sculpting, I think, is fantastic. Um, the paint uh, work here, I'm not. what I'm not seeing is a lot of stuff that looks like it's been, you know, painted over having been cast in another color. It looks like they've really done quite a bit of uh, paint detail. I mean, a lot of it's obviously cast in red, but then the, the gold paint's really nicely done. I just I can't say anything bad about it. Hmm. Okay. So really unscientific fanboy <laughs> review. Of, oh, my God, I love this toy. 
<laughs> I think it's pretty brave of Hasbro to to decide to go down the route to actually produce this, given that you know there's the Toy Biz one of that you know that's still out there, which is actually a really nice figure. And as you said, Diamond Select are doing one as well. And so you know there, there certainly are other options out there if you didn't want to go after this one. But they decided to take the chance, and I think the uh, response has been overwhelmingly positive. Oh, they've really pulled it off. The the legs are so solid. Um, and the, just the fact that they've managed to get that level of articulation into, um, you know, a builder figure is pretty pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I did have a bit of trouble with my articulation on mine. Um, his waist joint, where that connects to the upper torso, uh, when you're building that, you have uh, sort of like a. It's almost like a large peg. It looks like the type of thing you'd push down on a syringe, um, if you remember that, when building it. And there's two pieces of the upper torso that clip over that. My peg was on a really weird angle, and it almost seemed to have popped out slightly, and it was very hard to move around, and I didn't want to move it around too much for risk of uh, breaking it off at a um, thinner point on the peg. And I had to be very careful about attaching my upper torso on and using that to slowly move that peg into a more basic position. And uh, mine still has a very stiff, stuck torso, but he's a bit more looser now. I can twist him around a bit, but I am still very careful on uh, his connecting joint there. Hmm. But I'm pretty sure that was, from what I've seen, just one on mine. Um, that was, you know, either assembled while the plastic was still a bit melty. Uh, there on the inside, he's got a bit of a warped uh, point where the joint goes in. But apart from that, I've, I do really like the articulation over it. Yeah. Okay. I, I definitely have not experienced that. Um, yeah, that's a shame. Hmm. Oh. There was yeah, there was a couple of it was about half an hour delicate, slightly moving the torso every little bit and letting it kind of reset and continue on and a bit of adding hot water and it seems to be all good now for the most part i'm just a bit cautious when moving it as you always are when there's the point that takes you a bit but i'm sure it's fine fair enough well gentlemen any last comments about this way before we move on hmm look i'm just really pleased (laughs) sorry no no you go no, I just want to say, as a long-time Marvel Legends collector, I'm still really pleased that Hasbro is able to sort of work in, you know, the, the Thunders and the Blizzards uh, and the Batrox into these waves because I know that, you know, the, the powers that be at the Walmarts and Targets and that uh, only care about those characters that are, you know, really, um, you know, icons, I guess, and, and also being pimped heavily in, in various media. But, you know, somehow they still managed to sell these waves to, to the wholesalers and, and sneak mm. those characters in, so I'm really grateful. Absolutely. Thank you, Hasbro. All yeah, right. I, I find it to be one of those waves of um, some really good highs in here uh, and some mediocre stuff in terms of the toy production, but as Ben just summed up, like getting some of these characters, like Blizzard is a character I never thought I'd get in here, so very happy. Um, to see, and that they're planning it smart, knowing you know the Hulkbuster is going to be a popular builder figure, um, so this might be a chance to take some more risks in the single figures that we're um, going to give out here. And um, I do like sort of Hasbro playing a larger game strategy here. 
Hmm. Yeah. Very good. Well, that wraps up this particular toy breakdown. We will take a moment and come back to discuss the new items that we've added to our collections this week. From the Black Hole Collection, it's Vincent. Look, a black hole in space. And Captain Dan Holland. It's the Black Hole action figures, each sold separately. You can pretend the evil Dr. Reinhardt and Maximilian want to force Captain Holland and Vincent into the black hole. All clear, Captain. Other black hole action figures sold separately. Maximilian, Captain Holland, Vincent, and all black hole action figures sold separately by Mego. Well, we are all here because we collect, and Feeding the Addiction is where we talk about the new items that we've added to our collection, or maybe pre-orders that we've made um, since we were last on the show. And Ben, I believe you have a significant acquisition to mention. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, significant in, in every way, but uh, in particular scale. Um, and I received my Sideshow Collectibles, the Incredible Hulk premium format statue this week. And, wow, he is enormous. Um, I got mine fairly late. I, I thought I was doing pretty good. But then photos started popping up on social media and things like that and a few of the forums. Um, people posting photos and, and saying that, you know, the photos don't do it justice. It's epic in size and... Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I sort of think, oh, yeah, it looks good, looks good, looks good. Quite keen to get mine and then got it out and went, holy crap, they're right. <laughs> um, he He's gigantic. Like, he really is a massive statue. Um, he's obviously hollow because, um, you know, the, the sheer size. Uh, and, yeah, look, I'll probably make him a, a toy of the week in the, the coming weeks and talk about him in a bit more detail. But, um, yeah, pretty happy. Very good. Well done. And, uh, Eddie, what about your good self? Uh, I got a few things in because I think it's been a little while since I've had one of these sections. Um, now, you guys might have remembered a few episodes ago I did a red card on the five points of articulation Star Wars Episode Seven figures. Mm. Uh, I might have broken down and despite the red carding, still <laughs> picked some um, uh. up uh, during... Uh, you know, a bit of this, uh, uh, it's a bit of a new phenomenon called movie hype. I don't know if you've come across it uh, <laughs> as we get close. Um, so I've picked up a Captain Phasma, a Finn, a Kylo Ren, a Poe Dameron, and uh, basic First Order Trooper in these ones. And uh, I am actually quite pleased with the sculpts. Um, the point of articulation is a bit disappointing still but it's not as bad in hand as um as i sort of view it particularly on ones like the trooper uh kylo ren's a bit weird because they've literally cut down his uh sort of robes there and normally you'd when you have a cut in robes for leg joints like the old emperor figure in star wars it's just sort of a solid piece underneath it when you move the leg uh this one they've actually sculpted in like the hollow part of the robe and his legs in there uh so it looks quite weird when you move uh kylo ren's <laughs> legs on that figure um I, I also got uh the last of the six inch black series from episode seven i needed which was chewy uh they're having yeah, a nice. sale uh at maya so i picked him up for 27 dollars uh Sweet. they had them there so if anyone's after black series in australia at the moment check out your maya because uh, they're selling them quite cheap there, and 
from what I'm seeing on social media, turning up uh, in quite large proportions. So a lot of people have finally been getting the six-inch Kylo Ren this week. <laughs> uh, also got a lot of Masters of the Universe Classic in. So I had Sawrod and King Kubler come in, and I think Sora might be a uh, early favourite pick for favourite figure of the year, the sculpt on him. Uh, he was the mm. lizard guy from the movie, if you remember. He's really fantastic. Uh, was lucky enough to be awake when a spirit of Grayskull, uh, the chase figure of the year, went online on Maddie. So I uh, picked him up the other day. Thank you to Pixel Dan uh, for putting the word out there and uh, sending that through. And uh, signed up for the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, uh, which is the Filmation sub that went live today and just one little one it's one of those things i don't know if you guys do it sometimes you'll see a toy in your supermarket and know that no one else around is going to buy (laughs) the said toy and you just wait for that to get clearanced out in the next slot of things start coming in and i had that uh one of the um, character focuses i have at transformers is a character called drift and they had a little single packed uh creo figure of him at my local coles but they wanted ten dollars uh for that figure and i just waited and waited and the other day he was on clearance for 50 cents so i just chucked him in uh with my shopping then (laughs) and departed so uh it's it's a creo figure it is what it is but but, you know 50 cents is 50 cents so i was happy to finally (laughs) grab him after a year of him sitting on the shelf a year (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow. He was there for ages. It was one of those ones that's like, I feel like they're never going to discount. That is one. patience. I mean, now I've seen other things come and go, but they're still yeah. sitting there. That's patience for you. <laughs> and I was lucky too because there was like three pegs worth of these things. <laughs> and when I saw them for 50 cents, there was only two left. So someone had gone through and cleared out a whole bunch, but uh, the only two was a ratchet and a drift. So I was happy the one I wanted was still there. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm a total discredit to the collecting community this week because I got nothing. What? I know. Tisk tisk. I know. I've, I've I've been selling things. Um, you know, my my policy on toy purchases these days is that if you want stuff, you have to sell stuff. Um, because I've got stuff. <laughs> you know, so, and I kind of hit that that kind of maximum point where I'm like, you know what? I just cannot um dedicate any more like space or budget mm-hmm. to this. I need to um, fund it from within. And uh, it's actually quite – like I've got a lot of uh, figures and stuff that I don't have space to display and, you know, I do – like I've enjoyed them, but if someone else can actually enjoy and display them and it means then that I can, you know, have a couple of higher-end things that I can enjoy and display, I think everyone wins. Um, so, yeah, so I've been – busy doing that and then trying not to accumulate little things um, while I go. So I'm even thinking that uh, – I don't know if I'm able to stick to it, but that I might not even collect the DC icons. <gasps> I know. Dun, dun, dun. Until <laughs> Aquaman comes out. Well, see, the Aquaman one looks so ugly. So <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm going to buy there. it. I'm, I'm going to cherry pick. Yeah. I just – uh, you know, I mean, I think I just kind of I keep looking at it, thinking, where am I going to display them? I mean, I've got Batman animated is the only um, six inch stuff that I've actually got on display. 
Mm-hmm. Um, everything and else. The new line of them's hitting this week. They started turning up. Yeah. With the Batmobile. Yep. And even like even my Marvel Legends are in are in storage, but organized and enjoying it. Um. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> keep keep the new ones out for a while, but. Yeah, it's just, it's good to kind of go, okay, well, I've got, you know, boxes of stuff that I really need to go through and sell. But I do, I mean, I've got my pre-orders going and I have a very funny story actually about my uh, pre-orders. We were down on the coast, uh, haven't been on the show for, well, last week, my um, father-in-law sadly has been really unwell and is moving into some permanent care. And so we were there helping and we were out doing some shopping and um, the, Mrs. Scotty and the Scottettes were doing their kind of, you know, quarterly, I have nothing to wear, we need to buy clothes thing, which I just, the male in me doesn't understand, but there you go. And then I got this, like, text from my bank saying, um, you know, please contact us regarded, regarding suspicious activity on your credit card. And I was like, oh, my God, what are they doing? Those crazy <laughs> clothes shopping, crazy people. Um, but – it was, um, as soon as I saw it and thought, and I thought, I bet I know what this is. Cause I knew that I had like, I think four flex pays happening mm. at mm. once, which, you know, I've never probably had that many at one time. And so I was like, oh, we just, you know, these, you know, four charges all from the US all at the same time, all kind of similar amounts. And we thought that was a bit suspicious. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was it from Sideshow Collectibles? <laughs> Yeah, no, those are mine. Uh, um, at least the bank's on the case. Yeah, I know. I, like, and so I said, if you actually go back and look monthly, like you, I usually have something coming out from them, uh, but maybe not that many. Cause I've got kind of a, like Princess Leia, Power Girl, and there's a few Star Wars, like the sideshow Star Wars stuff as well, C3PO, et cetera, all happening right now. Um, and so she was like, Oh yeah, I can see that. And she was like, what, what are they? So they had to explain. And I think she thought I had three heads, but oh well. And I was like, they're toys basically. <laughs> and she was like, but what? Do you, you buy them every month? I'm like, no, it's like a payment plan for toys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, you know, that's the universe saying you're spending enough. You're spending enough on toys. <laughs> Yeah, so that's my cheerful contribution to feeding the addiction. Yeah, nah. <laughs> okay, well, I think unless anyone has anything else to report, that it is time to award an AFB podcast red card. What is this bizarro world? Red Carded is a chance to poke fun at the WTF moments in our hobby and be they unusual announcements, a complete fail action figure, or something so much worse. And, Scotty? Yeah. So, if you've listened to the show at all, you'd know that I'm a bit notorious for not being able to watch scary or gross movies. <laughs> um, and, like, you know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is kind of my tension level as far as stuff goes, like I don't mind, you know, action, yay. Um, but really violent or really scary or really gross is just really not my thing. Um, so on the long list of movies that I have never had, uh, a desire or the opportunity to see would be a movie called the human centipede. Um, <laughs> I know what it's about, um, enough to know that it is definitely not a Scott safe, 
um, zone. Oh, come on, man. I, I've seen it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, you're not a good litmus test for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so on, on a separate note, if you said to me, name five properties that you would think would be highly unlikely to be licensed by Choi or Collectible Makers, um, that is a film that would actually probably come to mind um, because I, I really don't want to have to describe what happens in this film, but it basically involves people being sewn together um, ass to mouth um, to, uh, yeah, be gross. And um, now if uh, that's your thing, um, or maybe your, you know, desk at work is just looking a little bit bare and you feel like, you know, you need a, a fresh conversation piece to um, have when, you know, the tea lady comes into your office, you can now, um, thanks to a company uh, called Geek Life, um, have an officially licensed human centipede toy featuring all three of the main characters um, from the original film, uh, uh, with interlocking harnesses so that you can pose them as one, <laughs> shall we say, uh. um, in lovely pastel colors, a green and a orange and a blue. And it, it I just cannot fathom <laughs> why even uh. it's just so gross. It's not even funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, it's not, <laughs> funny. it's not funny. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> it's not funny. I d- like uh, thoughts, gentlemen. This was one of those things I, I like. It's sometimes it's weird. I saw this during the week, and part of me was not even thinking like, "Oh, that's a red card." For I was just like, "Why would anyone want that?" And just kept scrolling. Like it was. <laughs> I didn't even want to register or look in more or do that. It's just like, well, I've seen that. I can't unsee it and just move on. This is the sort of thing that, you know, you have on your desk at work and then people go, what's that? You go, oh, look, it's just too hard to explain. Here's the movie. Take it home and watch it. Uh, and then they come back and say, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think, you know, there are things that are kind of funny because they're gross. Um, and But this is just, to me, in the category that is just gross. And to, to have a toy of it, even if it's, it's obviously a, um, a bit of a, cynical um mm. you know kind of haha thing um but uh, still i just think this is not something that really needs to be made and that's why i i feel bad for all the educational toy stores that might think oh you know this might be about you know a, a <laughs> insect thing and we'll order, we'll order a box of those in for our you know bug display here at the zoo and pins and Nice. Oh, I can just see it now at, you know, Uncle Pete's. <laughs> <laughs> Who ordered this? Just a big box at the back for people to remember. Yeah. Now, and can mean, you connect? Can you keep building like a big giant one? Oh, well, I assume you could, but, you know, it is meant to represent the characters from the movie. There you go. Army uh, built. Army built. It's <laughs> Oh my god, it's so terrible! Um, you, if someone can get a hundred of these in a line, I I'll send you a prize. You got to take a photo, send it to the AFB Instagram of a hundred of these ones connected up. <laughs> you have to buy the human centipede. 
collections through and see the mailman who will be handing it to you. But I will send you a prize if you get 100 of them in one photo all lined up and connected. Uh, oh, wow. I'll send it out of my own back. Just send it through. They're not cheap. Yeah, they're... Uh, That's why I'm promising it, Ben. No one will do it. Mm, true. No oh, one wants that on their credit card. I should so. say they're they're 1.5 inches tall, and the figures are sold separately. Mm. Oh, so you got to you, you have to you have to collect <laughs> to build a figure. That's a build a figure. <laughs> 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 uh. All right, I'm so <laughs> nauseated now. That'd be awful. Like, Imagine awful. like getting two, and then you just can't find the third one. <gasps> Even worse if they're blind books. <laughs> oh no! Like, Damn it! Another orange one. Uh, well, that, got that, an- another middle ass to mouth. I want the end off the mouth. That's right. I need to cap that sucker. Oh. Kids, come here. Help me shake the box so I can find the middle off the mouth. <laughs> okay. Um, yuck. Gross. Not need to needed to be made. Geek mm. life. You get our red card of the week. <laughs> You're gross. And uh, thank you for feeding our red card of the week. <sighs> All right. Well, we'll take a break. We'll. Um, wash our hands and our mouths out with soap and uh, we'll come back with our uh, much more life-affirming discussion topic of the week. Yay! It's Pulsar, the ultimate man of adventure. You energize his heart, lungs, and body fluid into pulsating action. Then load a mission disc into his brain. Imagine you make his heart beat for land adventures. His lungs pump for high-altitude missions. Pulsar, imagine you energize him for exciting feats of strength. Pulsar, the ultimate man of adventure, new from Mattel. Well, for many of us, the joy that we get out of collecting toys and action figures as adults is driven somewhat by the nostalgia we have for our childhood play. Those endless hours playing in fictional universes where good and evil battled continuously for supremacy. As our imaginations fueled our play, so often did the surroundings and household items available to us. So tonight we're talking about action figure home improvements. What and how did you enhance your play with as a youngster? So maybe things like uh, which toy lines did you create adventures with? Um, why were they the ones that you chose? What parts of the house or yard did you create adventures in? And uh, what items around the house did you use to assist with your adventures? We're going to share some of our own stories. And then we also put it out to you on social media, and we've got some of your stories as well. Um, so... Ben, uh, maybe just give us one example to start with of uh, the, the kind of stuff that you did when you were a kid. Yeah, well, I, I'm sort of a, a tad older than, uh, you know, some of the collectors, so I got to see Star Wars in the cinema as uh, a five-year-old, and my mother bought me some action figures shortly after that. So my childhood was pretty much driven by Star Wars and Star Wars action figures and that that was my big thing, and uh, yeah. So for me, you know, the one memory I have is the house where I grew up had an enormous living room, like absolutely enormous living room, um, and it, my mother collected sort of various you know ornaments, and it was a very very busy room. It had a fireplace with a brick hearth, and we had instead of lights in the ceiling, we had coach lights coming out of the wall, and so I used to use that entire room with you know with bookcases and furniture and. Um, you know, there was always hooks and stuff to hang, you know, grappling hooks and, and the like off of. And, yeah, I have a lot of um, good memories of playing in that room. Hmm. And, Eddie, what about yourself? 
Uh, I had a bit of a similar to Ben. We had like a back room uh, section that uh, I was in. And funnily enough, um, I was actually at a barbecue today with uh, some of my very long-term friends. And one of them uh, was one of my best friends uh, growing up, Tom. He and me and him used to play G.I. Joes all the time. And randomly, (laughs) um, with this as the discussion topic uh, tonight, we used to create bases like crazy. And he just came up to me today at one point and said, do you remember your dad used to have the... (laughs) Like it was this holder that was connected on the side of the wall near the computer. And I don't know what it was for. I didn't know anyone else who ever had one. But you'd put your mouse in it. It was almost like a gun holster for a mouse on the <laughs> side wall. And he was like, that was the best place to put a sniper in G.I. Joe when we are playing through that. That was just the best sniper turret like little section there. So it was very nice to hear today uh, coming into this topic uh, tonight. But I had, a, I had a big back room. Uh, that I love transforming in many ways, and it had a computer setup that was always great for sci-fi stuff, and big bookcases and a big open floor to just transform into different mm-hmm. landscapes. Hmm. Mm. I, I um, grew up in a house that had like the all the bedrooms were quite big, so my room growing up was quite a big bedroom with lots of uh, floor space to. Um, create things. I was not allowed to leave stuff set up. Um, mm. so, you know, no, no kind of Death Star sitting around all the time. Everything had to be put away. Um, but I had a lot of room to spread out and, um, play with stuff. And as we were thinking about this, I was reflecting on, you know, I mean, I had, uh, play sets and vehicles and that sort of thing. And for me, definitely, um, Star Wars was the beginning of that. Um, moved on to superpowers for me. I do remember playing with my superpowers figures, um, a lot, but Star Wars, you know, that was the bulk of it. And, uh, I definitely used the play sets, but I think partly because I wasn't allowed to have them set up all the time, often I would improvise and use other things, um, to, uh, kind of make quick, um, you know, I guess play sets as it yeah. were, which is kind of mm-hmm. part of what we're mm-hmm. talking about tonight. Um, so what do you think about, um, some of the ways that you improvised, you know, maybe household items, etc., into, uh, dioramas or landscapes or whatever? What kind of stuff there comes to mind for you in terms of how you, how you played? Uh, I, I think one of the big ones that everyone's probably done is that taking of your figures outside into the back garden. Uh, <laughs> if you're lucky enough to grow up in a garden, I think everyone's basic nature strip became a jungle at uh, some point to go mm-hmm. through when exploring with the figures and uh, big trees to run through. I was quite lucky in my – I had a very large backyard growing up in a bit of a country town. And we actually had – there was a barbecue in the back there from before I was born. And then we had a new one built in fairly early on. I would have been about four or five. But the old barbecue kind of um, had all the barbecue equipment and the, the pipes and the hot plate and that removed out of it. And it was just the stone casing structure of the barbecue. And I actually had mm. one section had a high wall and that got overgrown. And that just became an Aztec temple for me and my figures to – run around and play with and uh was a cobra base at certain points and it was like this great almost movie prop that had just been left to become overgrown and just fantastic for <laughs> toys to run so 
Um, that that's one of the first things that always comes to mind with creating your own adventures with what you got at home is the outdoor in the garden and big trees to climb in. I was a big Jurassic Park fan as a kid, and mm-hmm. I definitely took a lot of the Jurassic Park toys outside and would set up whole park um, out there to had a stone path that became the road that the trucks drive down to see the dinosaurs and had connector pens. So if, do you, did you guys remember those? Do you have yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the textures that connect together had those built together to make uh, the electric fencings that could be ripped <laughs> apart and all that. So I, I, I love going out in the backyard and playing with uh, my toys. It's uh, probably still a few out there. Uh, to this day, still lost the time. <laughs> I actually grew up in a um, you know, place where I think there'd just been one family before us, and in the veggie patch, well, what my dad turned into the veggie patch in the, in the backyard, um, we, we constantly would find little army men buried. <laughs> um, you know, years later, I remember as a kid, it was really cool, and then years later, you're out there kind of digging, you know, it was just not a big little... Not not a big thing, but it was just like my dad's little, you know, hobby garden bed thing, and he'd grow tomatoes and things, and to get up and like, oh, there's another army man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you, Ben? Yeah, my my father was an electrical engineer, so we had a, a really large garage that was uh, essentially a giant workshop, uh, and my dad had every sort of conceivable, you know, tool and, and you know, huge workbenches and the lights and everything like that, um, and he he had masses and masses of um you know electrical components because he used to do work on the weekends uh for for people and you know the neighbors were forever sort of bringing over toasters to be fixed and and all that sort of stuff and um and I used to get into it and and help him and in order to learn some of the stuff that he'd do, he would actually have me um, strip back old, you know, electrical equipment and pull it apart and understand, you know, what bit went where and that sort of thing. So I had a lot of access to materials, stuff, and then when I say materials, I'm talking wire and things like that. And I can remember at a very young age um, my dad teaching me to solder. And so I can remember getting this wire and, and bending three little hooks and one of them had a loop on the end and then I soldered the three of them together and I made those little, um, you know, the three-pronged grappling hook that you used to see in the movies and, you know, people would hurl them onto the roof in order to, you know, pull themselves up the side of a building. And um, I actually got quite good at it. And I can remember at one stage, you know, pretty much all my Star Wars figures were were armed with their own sort of grappling hooks. So you would um, you would go looking for you know, the, the right kind of surroundings in order to make the most of those, you know, my mother's plants and all that sort of stuff. There were people forever grappling from one plant to another and yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was good stuff. And, of course, I used to go through all my dad's, you know, he used to have jars and jars of bits and pieces for, for everything and so I was forever going through and going, oh, you know, this will make a great shield and this will make a great such and such and, um, you know, flashlights and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I was always poking around. What about you, Scotty? Any... I think a lot of my games used to involve, like, you know, some characters being trapped and others having to rescue them. And so, <laughs> you know, I would have things like I remember, you know, kind of like using, like, you know, masking tape and that sort of thing to kind of like stick some on the wall <laughs> or, you know, something, and everyone else had to try and get them down. Or um, I remember with my superpowers um, once, ah, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, yeah, definitely superpowers like a, um, get big kind of clear glasses 
and put them over some of the characters like, oh, we're trapped in these <laughs> domes and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, you, uh, you get quite kind of imaginative. I think that, um, and it is something I think that, um, you know, you, I would definitely do with friends as well. Like I had my, my next door neighbor growing up was a big star Wars fan as well. And, um, you know, he didn't really have the toys. So he'd come over and, you know, play with mine. You kind of just like, Oh, let's do this. Let's tape him to the wall. Let's hang him. Um, you know, from this, um, which was always really fun. (laughs) (laughs) As, um, yeah, I, I was a fan of putting my figures in dangers too. And, Mm-hmm. Uh, string was a big part of my play, and I was weirdly fascinated uh, with hangings uh, <laughs> at the time. I, I think Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves had just come out and ended on that. And, I mean, here in Victoria, that was the capital punishment until capital punishment was abolished um, there. So a lot of our famous folklore uh, bush rangers and highwaymen were hung, and so making uh, s- uh, little slip knots out of shoelaces and that. So <laughs> different strings seem to be a constant part in my. I remember for some reason when I was playing with some Batman figures at one point, Gotham had turned against Batman, and he was going to be part of a public hanging until uh, Robin saved him with a shoelace around a doorknob. Oh my goodness. Um, through there for that. And the other one that I was quite uh, fond of doing is putting my figures in danger with stuff around the home uh, was freezing them. I'd, I'd stick a figure in a glass of water and fill that up. And because and, I, I would do this weird thing, and I obviously watched way too much uh, TV as a child, when I'd uh, have my bath at night, I'd sort of have some toys that I'd play with in the bath. I would never just end the adventure in the bath i would always leave it to be continued and so i'd always try and think of a way to end that night in the bath and so then when i got back tomorrow i'd have a new story to pick up with and follow that on and it was often yeah taking some bath water and putting them in a cup and freezing them and that was the cliffhanger it was like han got frozen yet again for the fourth time and he gets thought out in the bath the next night and just yeah Oh, that's very, funny. Very... I, can, uh, I can still remember my father doing some concreting. Um, we had, we lived on a sort of fairly large suburban block and, and he did this concreting and we had all this leftover, um, like here they call it bricky sand and it's that um, that very fine yellow uh, sand that gets added, you know, to, to cement to make, you know, concrete. And um, I can remember my dad saying that he was actually finished with it. And uh, a good friend of mine, Dave, um, was also a big Star Wars fan. I can remember him bringing around his Star Wars figures. And, you know, I said, hey, let's, you know, let's go, you know, set them up in the the sand. And, you know, we were really excited to do this whole, you know, tattooing thing and, you know, spread this sand out and, you know, build little sort of, um, you know, there was obviously mounds but channels and all this sort of stuff. And we got into it and, um, you know, worst decision we could have ever made. It was um, absolutely awful because the bricky sand is quite sticky. And so uh, every figure yeah. was just covered in sand. It got into all the, the joints, you know, all four, mm. five points of articulation and got into the vehicles. And I just remember being devastated at the mess that we made of our figures because I was one of those kids who um, used to really look after my figures. Like I, um, you know, kids would um, would 
um, you know, we'd get together to play and they were surprised that I still had so many um, weapons for my figures because I, I used to keep them all in a separate container. But I can still remember going to my dad and being really down and he ended up giving me this really fine paintbrush and um, I sat there for what felt like hours basically mm. cleaning every figure and brushing it to get all the sand off, putting it back in the my container, next figure, getting the sand off. <laughs> it's just like it was meant to be this awesome Tatooine sort of thing and it turned out to be a disaster. Um, but that, yeah. um, that, that does remind me of something. Was it not? super exciting if there was some renovation going on in your house and there was sand or bricks or that piled somewhere and that just be created like a new backdrop for you i i always got really excited when construction work was going on and i had it was like a new spot for toys to play with <laughs> see i I'm was like you, Ben, like while you were talking about the sand thing, I was like, Ooh, I never would have done that with my toys. Cause they would have been <laughs> dirty. Like, you know, my, I just, I, I, I was actually having a conversation with one of my kids today, not related to toys, but about something and saying, like, I just, as a kid was never, I hated being dirty. Like I hated, you know, my hands getting dirty or that sort of thing. And so I, I never took my toys outside. Um, because, uh, of that, like I just, um, I do though remember, um, uh, when I was, I don't know, gosh, it might've been 10 or something. Have I ran away, um, to the garden shed. Um, (laughs) but I, I packed a bag and it had a hairbrush and, um, I think some underwear in it and my Luke and Leia figures. (laughs) So that's probably about as far outside as they ever got. Um, (laughs) But I, I used to go to friends' houses and, it, you know, just couldn't understand how their toys would be broken or yeah, they'd yeah. have missing pieces and things. Mm. And I'd be like, I, 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 like I didn't have broken toys. <laughs> you know, my, my best friend growing up used to drive me crazy because he had groovy stuff and games that, that I never had. But go, oh, it's broken. Mm. Like, no, mm. we can't play with that. It's broken. Like, oh. I, I used to, like, I think the very first pet hate I ever had in life was when you'd have another kid come to play with your toys and to fight the figures, he would just clash them together. Uh, and, you know, just bang figures together as a fighting thing. And it's just like, no, that scrapes the paint. That's not even how you play. That's that's not how people fight is by running their chest into one another, like back and forth. It's, it's like, oh, that, that was my original pet hate in life. <laughs> That's yes. very funny. I certainly used to. T- I was such a Star Wars fan of those, you know, the five points of articulation days. That um, even when I had other toys, I would still work them into the Star Wars universe. And I can remember getting Micronauts, um, and I had quite a few Micronauts, including the the remote control space cruiser. Um, and, you know, I still worked that in. It just became a Star Wars vehicle and, you know, Han used to sit in one side and Luke sat in the other and, um, you know, a while back I think um, John was actually talking about a a Fisher-Price, you know, sea adventurer or something. It was a boat with a a scuba, a small sort of scuba submersible on the back of it and I don't even know where I got that from. I think it came secondhand from someone and, again, I, I, I worked that into my, you know, Star Wars play, so... Um, you know, everything seemed to somehow become available to my Star Wars adventures. Yeah, you you do that. You'd use other. I had a um, stiletto jet from GI Joe uh, that actually the He-Man Luke from 1995 fit 
perfectly in and that was almost a new spaceship for him to jet around in and uh, when the episode one figures were coming out and I needed an excuse to have uh, the old Obi-Wan and the young Obi-Wan in my play. I had a <laughs> Daily Bugle uh, play set that became like a cloning centre where they cloned young Obi-Wan <laughs> so he could be part of the... I hadn't wow. seen episode one at this point, so I was trying to make up my own story of... How scientific. Yeah. I figured, you know, I knew there was Clone Wars in there at some point, so I figured I'd, I could get away with that in my <laughs> story and adventures uh, through there. But Star Wars was actually the one that I went the most insane on. I was around episode one time. Um, I was probably slightly too old to be really playing um, with the figures, but you know when you were just at that age, you were just kind of dropping out of it a little bit doing it. And it was never for me, it was never the sense of really wanting to stop. But what I found was happening is that the stories in my head were going faster pace than I would actually really be playing with them. (laughs) And that's, that's the moment that I really stopped playing with figures was when I realized that, you know, I'm, it feels no sense in me playing out the scene with my hands because thinking of the story, I've got things going on um, <laughs> over here and well in advance. But what I did around episode one, I started to create um, basically Tatooine in my big back room out of cardboard boxes. Mm. And I started with one I decided to make. It was like Watto's junk shop or something can set him up and made the box and got a lot of spare droids and that and filled in his little one there and, cut it out so it had the right shaped um, doorways and all that and his little desk that Annie can work behind and then I finished that one and I was like okay and still got more cardboard here so then I got another box and made the cantina from Moss Eisley and made the little um, uh, bar and set all those up and put some strange <laughs> aliens in and set that then I started making the slave headquarters and just each day I would build a new building to sort of the Moss Eisley, uh, Moss Essay made, you know, the the landing dock for the Falcon yeah, yeah, to come yeah. in and set up. And it ended up being taking about a month's worth of work, but I created a small Moss Eisley town in this back room uh-huh. out of cardboard awesome. boxes. And <laughs> it's one of my biggest regrets to this day is I don't have any photographs of it mm. or how it looked. But um, I remember like uh, we had a, party around this time in the court and um at a neighbor's place and we're there and uh people started hearing about it and they were getting me to walk them over to my place and show them the back room of all this setup um coming through including one of my first young crushes at the time and i was just devastated when mum told her to go over and have a look at my star wars toys when (laughs) at the age where it's starting to go up but she seemed to think it was cool so (laughs) i guess all comes through in the end but um, yeah, that, that was an amazing, like, uh, huge effort of work gone into that just kept adding to each day and um, building these little bits, sort of ripping off the top of the cardboard boxes so you get almost that corrugated iron look in the layer yeah. underneath there and using that for different rooftops and setups through. And, yeah, it was amazing what you could just do out of cardboard and cutting it different ways and sticking yeah. it through and it really worked for those sort of box uh, Moss Eisley towns. But, yeah, one of my biggest regrets and, in this theme, no photo. Yeah, cardboard and tape certainly featured a lot, I think, for, for every kid. Cardboard yeah. boxes became, you know, an attraction. I mean, I remember, you know, my father buying a new television and, you know, this is back in the days when a, 
uh, a colored television was you know this gigantic wooden sort of box and um, it came in a huge cardboard box and I can remember asking for the box and I actually cut one side out of it flipped it upside down and um, began to put a little sort of um, you know a little door in each end and, and effectively created the um, a diorama from Star Wars where Luke and Leia, you know, swing over the, the chasm pursued by the stormtroopers. And, yeah. uh, you know, I had, I had string holding the platforms open and, and whatnot. So, <laughs> the, um, wh- One of the things I really loved, and I don't know about you guys, but I loved layers uh, with my action figures. So having different levels uh, to place them on uh, was mm, always mm. a super fun thing. Uh, for me, I loved having all those different heights and that. So for me, it was because uh, I, I didn't have uh, stairs in my house growing up yep, or, yep, or yep. a fireplace. So those two things for me, if we went on holiday and we're at a place that had stairs, <laughs> like that was just some, you know, waterfall piece that I'd climb up and down and send them on different layers or um, usually those old brick fireplaces that would become, you know, a scaling wall to get to the ledge where Cobra had their base and having the different climbers and the men that would get knocked off uh, through <laughs> there. They were always like, some of my most excited things to see to go and play through. <laughs> so we asked uh, some people we asked on social media what sort of things you got up to when you were kids and uh James McLean Jr said when I was a kid we had this black stool that looked like a toadstool I would always flip that bad boy over and it would become Cobra's Terror Dome the Death Star and even Castle Grayskull <laughs> I I remember actually we had a uh like the seat for our piano that you know they have those benches that have a lid that um, pops mm, up to so keep mm. the music in it, and I used mm-hmm. to use that as like a you know trap thing, like oh no, <laughs> people are caught in the trap, oh, get them out, <laughs> rescue yeah. them from the evil piano bench. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Happy Panda, huh? I don't think that's your real name. But anyway, um, said, I used to dig up the dirt under the back sidewalk heading to the garage. And once I got under the nine or so inches of concrete, I had a perfect sewer hideaway from my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I lived on the edge of town, right between a nature trail and a small creek. I still have pictures I took of my turtles next to the creek, taking to look like they were traversing a rampaging river. Ah, nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> my uh, one of my favorite ones for my Ninja Turtles figures was at my grandmother's house. She had a little footstool, and it meant if I stood on it, I could look over the top of her fridge, which was just a square metal piece, but on top of this large gray fridge, it looked like the top of a skyscraper to me. Yeah. And because the Turtles movie ends with them fighting on a skyscraper, that would always be the final shredder versus turtles battle was on top of my grandmother's fridge while she was usually cooking around and all that that was the final battle epic place uh often in my turtles game <laughs> yeah we um we got an interesting one from gary glascock who said uh, and i thought this was quite clever but he said uh, i would close uh pin a sheet to a box fan and create an air fort shuttle base ah. for my eagle from space 1999 or a bat cave I thought that was actually quite clever. It wouldn't have even occurred to me at the time. Uh, That's funny. I I do remember my parents had a box fan in their bedroom, and uh, I remember sitting with some of my toys and 
um, you know, using the wind effect kind of, mm, thing. Mm. and oh no, we're being blown away. <laughs> oh yeah, gosh. I'd I'd only really use wind effects if I had um, a figure with like a cloth cape, and I wanted to try and get it <laughs> yeah. blowing. But usually, then it was just me sort of. Uh, it- blowing air through but the worst thing that i'd actually do actually speaking of these themes together is i had a ceiling fan and i'd often use that as like you know where luke hangs at the end of um bespin and hangs i'd use that so i'd put my luke figure on top of the fan and sometimes i might forget about it and you Ah! might have a hot day you turn on the ceiling (laughs) fan that's been all of a sudden you get a figure or two flying across the room (laughs) dropping out (laughs) <laughs> Who else have we got? Uh, we have Jeremy uh, Ciccone, uh and Pretty sure it's said- Ciccone. That's Ciccone? Yep, yep. Okay, Jeremy Ciccone. Uh Sorry about the pronunciation, Jeremy. Uh, I build a mountain base out of chicken wire and paper mache. My folks would have... L- would have loved it had I actually cleared it with them first. <laughs> so very nice. Yeah, I, th- I think we all uh, had times that we uh, got a little bit creative ahead of our parents' wants uh, okay. or likes. I never did the paper mache thing though. I, I knew of it, and I, you know, I was aware of you know what you could do with it, and I'd even done stuff at school, but um, I, I never got motivated enough at home to to try and build anything out of paper mache. Yeah, I always hated the feel of it. I never liked doing paper mache. Yeah, school it was always something uh, icky. I did use, um, for some reason, when you're a kid of the '80s and '90s, it's all about the bad guys moving drugs. And I had <laughs> one where I decided that Mum had a big jar of bath salts. And for <laughs> one of my adventures in the bath, they were stopping uh, the bath salts that were the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> no drug thing, and they got rid of them by pouring them into the water, so they dissolved through. And <laughs> Mum hit the fan when she found out I'd just poured a whole box of bath salts into the one bath oh, at the dear. one time. They'd stopped a drug cartel. So I thought it was <laughs> hey, last one. Maybe this is the kid that lived in my house before me. Mm, Nick mm. Bayer said, "Hindsight being twenty and twenty and all, whenever I played with my GI Joes outside, if they died." I'd bury them. If someone ever dug up the yard where I grew up, they'd have one hell of a collection. Wow. I don't think go. I could um, bear losing them like that. No. Unless you'd forget where you buried them and then, you know, you know the trauma would See, I wouldn't them. do that because then they'd get dirty. Mm. I did it yeah, stupidly with my um, Snoutspout and Cyclone Masters of the Universe figures. I took them to the beach one day mm. and buried them in the wet part of the sand, and then I heard someone say ice cream, and um, being <laughs> oh, a little no. fat kid, I ran off to get my <laughs> ice cream, and then, you know, turning oh. around on a beach and trying to remember where oh, no. two figures out of an entire stretch of Torquay. Um, was not easy, and I spent probably the next rest of the time there that day just digging in random spots trying to find these <laughs> figures that I'd never found again. Oh, you didn't find them? Oh, how terrible. No, it was never to be found. Like, I mean, literally, like, I ran away a great distance from where I had buried them, mm. um, and then to return, it was just literally, like, looking for a grain of sand in a well. beach. It was just 
mm. an insane amount of sand to dig through. And it was right on in the wet spot that I'd buried them too. So any sort of sand buildup oh. or pile from where I'd ripped through had just gone out with the water. It was all just flat <laughs> uh, there Bummer. in the area. <laughs> so it was really dumb, really like one of those first times – uh, I ever had the consciousness of looking back in retrospect and just thinking, <laughs> like, that was stupid. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that this um, fit quite nicely with the uh, kind of uh, more vintage reviews that um, John and Adam did last week, which um, both had kind of childhood stories attached to them. And um, it is kind of fun to remember. I, I do wonder um, how much... Uh, kids these days get chances to really do that imaginative play because I think that, mm. um, you know, it, it de- devices, etc., um, you know, might be engaging in a different way, but I'm, you know, I'm still not sure how they engage the imagination in the same way that, that we experience. So hopefully it's not a lost art. No, um, that's wrong. Yeah. But um, thank you to everybody that contributed to that, and we uh, love the response that we got, so we'll do it again. Um, and uh, with and that, send in your stories too uh, as well. Anyone listening, if you have your ones, send them through either uh, on the forum or through social media, the Instagram, the Facebook, uh, the Reddit as well. Chuck anyone through uh, uh, there any way you can. I love hearing these stories. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, well, that wraps that up. We will come back with some feedback, and then we'll wrap things up for the show. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? <laughs> the Shadow Knows. The evil Khan calls on his fiendish friend, Dr. Makino. But Ninja Shadow, with blazing eyes, has the power to stop them. Makino and Khan take off. Ninja Shadow chases them in his mirage. He's sold separately. Will they get away? Who knows? <laughs> the Shadow Knows. Now you can get a free Shadow Agents ring. It changes. Just like in the movie. Send in two proofs of purchase from any Shadow toys for your free Shadow hologram ring. Wow. The Shadow Knows. Well, before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you, and uh, we would love to hear your questions or comments or suggestions on future episodes. Um, so you can email podcast at actionfigureblues.com. You can tweet at us at AFBlues on Twitter. You can post on our Instagram at actionfigureblues um, or anywhere else where you think that we might be looking, and you might just hear it read out. And, Ben, you have our feedback tonight, so over to you. I do. Thank you very much. And this one comes from uh, a very good friend of ours, Derek, Derek WC from the Fan Holes podcast. <clears throat> and he's commenting on last week's show with the uh, couple of vintage reviews. And he says, only up to the Indiana Jones review portion so far, uh, maybe you were thinking of the Necker Ghostbusters figures. I know they made a Slimer and probably one of the dogs. Um, I had a few of the indie figures, the Mail Away um, Bella, a couple of the standard indie um, who I kept breaking the whip thumb on and the indie that came with the map room playset. I did have the Well of Souls. I remember as a kid, I thought it didn't have enough snakes, so my mum helped me paint <laughs> paint on extra snakes to the base of the playset. Nice Aww. memories. <laughs> I think so because cool. of... Yeah, I think because of the knees, I thought of them more like the Lone Ranger figures than Star Wars because they all needed to sit on horses and had holsters for their pistols. Very cool. Uh, speaking of our Facebook page, um, we've got some people that have been posting some great 
uh, photos of their toys with little funny captions, etc. on there. And I try and share the best ones. Um, but you know, shout out to, uh, the folks on Facebook that are doing that and do, you can go over to our page and if you click visitor posts or post a page, you can, uh, look at all of those and keep it up. It's great to see, um, you enjoying your collections and sharing them with others. So thank you very much for that. And, uh, with that, I believe, we are done. Yeah, we are. Hurrah. Yeah. Um, uh, eking ever closer to that uh, episode 200, we really must work out what we're going to do um, for that. Musical like, episode. Uh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, you can start working on that now, Eddie. And in the meantime, we will say goodbye. Goodbye. Good journey. Uh, yeah, bye, everybody. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and downloaded direct at actionfigureblues.com by clicking on the podcast tab. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join in with all of the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, new releases, old lines, and engage in trades and sales in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, ShelfLife.net, and the Pop Culture Superstore, who help keep our site running. You can also find us on Twitter, at AFBlues, and on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening! say roses are red violets are blue <laughs> if you don't like toys then fuck you yeah. oh, I, was, I was waiting for it but and then i actually chortled when um <laughs> when it wasn't that <laughs> <laughs>